There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're not so astonished at it. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Oh, that was one uncomfortable night of all the nights of the past week and all the nights when I was wearing my holidays when we'd no air conditioning and we got a blast of humidity. That was the worst night. Wow, God, trying to sleep and you're drowning in your own juices. Oh, my God, what an awful night it was. And I know my poor mother, if she's listening, will cross herself and pray that I'm wrong. We need a serious thunderstorm to blow it out of the sky because it's still oppressively warm this morning as the heat wave comes to an end and a normal August weather pattern comes to settle on us again. Can we please have a thunderstorm and like maybe about two hours of bucketing rain just to clean the sky out? Then can we have nice weather back? That's all I want. I, I like me nice weather. But right now the sky needs clearing out. It was horrible like last night. Horrible, horrible night. Good morning to you. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. The text of WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. A horrible night, but a fabulous, fabulous weekend all over Cork City and County. The Iron Man, huge crowds in y'all, and great to see it in fabulous weather. Westlife, I tell you this much, lads, the best entertainment package of a gig I've seen in a very, very long time. Wonderful weekend with Westlife. And so much going on around town, including people flocking to the beaches right up until the sun started to run and hide. The problem is, when you flock to places like Inshidani, people bring their cars, and if you know the little road down to Inshidani, it always causes the same problem. It's causing it since I was going to Inshidani myself years ago. Dina, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. What happened in Shidani? That little road down got completely blocked up, didn't it? Good morning. 
completely blocked up. I think everybody at the beach had a car. It seemed like as many that were on the beach, there were as many cars. Years ago, you'd get six, five or six to a car. Now you get one to a car. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in Chidani, being such a beautiful, big, wide beach. You know what? In, in, in our day, when you went to the beach, yeah, in, in our day, when you went to the beach, you, you, Dad drove around, dumped us all out at the beach, and then went away to find a parking space. Now they drive down to the beach and park in your eye or on the footpath and all just t- toddle down to the strand in front. You're but people so are, are, are being a bit selfish, I think. Yeah. That little narrow road that goes maybe the last half mile into Inchidani, you'd all say like that should have been widened years ago. But that's part of the charm of the place at the same oh, time. Oh, well, you can't widen all the roads, you know. I mean, it's, oh, that would cost a fortune. Yeah. I think it's down to the people not to be so selfish. People should carpool a bit more. And maybe, as I said, like years ago, when we'd, be, we'd get driven to the beach, dumped out onto the side of the road all the kids would run down to the beach and dad would go away and find a, a parking space he could be he could be a half yeah that line is jumping in and out he nowadays could... they just park on top of each other and yeah the, 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 the yellow lines all around the island were just all covered in cars yes yes and you're, you remind me of that time yeah dad would go on he'd drive away out he could be gone for 20 minutes half an hour and, yeah, and when he'd come back, space yeah, out of the way. when he'd come back, then he'd he'd wolf a couple of sandwiches, and <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then the poor devil at the end of the day had to toddle off and get the car again. Yeah, it just it seems to be like I I don't think that there were any guardi on patrol. If they were, they'd have made a killing on all the tickets for the yellow lines. Yeah. I mean, I I walked around the just the circle at Inchidani that that yeah, that was yesterday for yesterday. And I counted 72 cars on yellow lines. 72 cars. Yeah. And you on see, both sides of the road in cases. You know, we can be lighthearted enough about it, Dina, but the reality of it is, if you had a major incident on the beach or in the hotel, or if you had anything, you could not get an ambulance or a fire brigade or a, or, or a Garda car in there. A guard car might just about have fit, yeah. But that would have been it's the narrowness. Uh, you know, if if a car is parked on both sides, it becomes very narrow. Yeah. And like a, and emergency vehicles just have no chance to get in. We what, were lucky. What if the, what if the lifeguards needed some additional backup? How you how the hell are you going to get a a coast guard van down there? You're not. It won't happen. They'd have to probably drive around to Dunmore and launch a launch another boat or something. It's, I know it's it's a very short season and it only happens a few times in the summer, but it shouldn't really happen at all. People need to kind of wise up. They need to wise up a little bit and yeah. um, be less selfish about the parking yeah. and, and keep keep the place open for emergency vehicles. The, the, like I live down here and yes. I can't bring my car down. I just I park I park a mile out of town, a mile out of the Inchidani area and walk in home. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I mean, those yellow lines, they're not decorative in nature. They're there for a reason. Well, they've all been covered you know, by the cars at the weekend anyway. Yeah. They just parked on top of them. They didn't care. Yeah. yeah Incredible. It, it is very dangerous in case you had to get any kind of emergency services or an ambulance or mm-hmm. anything in there at all. So I, I guess that's probably the end of it now with the weather breaking. Was it, was it busy all week down there, Dina? Yes, very, very busy. Every single day. It didn't matter whether it was weekend or weekday. I think everyone on holidays was just out 
gathering as much sunshine as they could and getting the kids to the beach. It's lovely to see everyone yes. enjoying yes. The, the facilities, which, of course, are wonderful. We have a fantastic beach here. And and it's very safe with the um, amount of uh, patrolling by the by the the um, lifeguards, and we have an inshore lifeboat boat, yeah. and it's yeah. it's patrolling up and down while all the kids are swimming. It's brilliant. No, I mean Inchidani is one of the great it's one of the great beaches of Ireland, I have to say, and beautiful beach. But the problem is, it's difficult to access, and people need to get into their heads. You can't just lob a car on the, that that your double yellow line is not a decoration. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll have to worry about it again now, I suppose, next year. Unless some, some few ch- small changes are made by council. Yeah. What what do you think they could do, Dina? Well, As I suppose at some stage that they're, they're going to have to put in another car park, maybe take a bit of an area out of the dunes. But I would hate that. I, would hate, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't like the whole place to be full of cars parked. Yes. You know? Is there a case to be made? Because I saw this, I think I saw it on Facebook. Might have been somewhere else. Is there a case to be made for... When it gets very, very busy, that you'd be, a, say, a, a cheap shuttle bus from Clan or from wherever, that you just park well, your that, car. That used to be the case years was ago. There? We used to have a shuttle bus coming down to, to Inchidani back in when I was a child. Really? But um, I think the logistics of it now, I suppose, that, you know, they don't have the money, the backup, the, the, the services, the, the resources. Yeah. It's a difficult one, and it might only be full for a couple of weeks in the summer. But even if they only ran it in July and August, yes, would be something. Yes, could certainly um, alleviate the parking problem. Yes. yes, it certainly would be an answer. Well, to, to be a help at least, because I know when I'm going to be talking to Fountainstown shortly, I know traffic is still a, an absolute curse in Fountainstown, but with the bus service up and down there every so often, that does help to get people in. That does help. Them. Yeah, brings yeah. its own problems, as we'll find out in a minute. But yeah. Well, look, beautiful in Shidani. Uh, it'll always be beautiful. Um, but just to remind people, those yellow lines are not for decoration. And like you say, Dina, on a very serious note, if you had to get an ambulance or a fire brigade or a Coast Guard truck or anything in there in a hurry over the weekend, you wouldn't have had a hope. No, you would have had to stop at the edge of the island and walk in. Yeah. And that's not, that's not the answer if you're trying to get an ambulance in or a fire brigade, yeah. you know? Yeah. Lastly, did you have much problems... Down there with we were weaver lucky. fish. We didn't need any any of the services. Good, good. Have you had much problem with weaver fish down there? Because um, I, I think I've only met. I think I've only heard of one incident in the entire summer, but that's just yeah. what I've heard. But yeah. I don't think we have a huge problem with it. We're I, lucky down here. I came. I heard of two people over the weekend who were stung, including including a colleague who were stung down on hinges. So that's why I was asking about right, about, yeah. about Inchidani. All right, Dina. Thank you very much for that. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Were you in Inchidani? I I love it. I haven't been down there many years now. I used to play gigs in the hotel, and sometimes you'd stay over, and that's that morning. The mornings, a summer's morning on that beach is just gorgeous. But it's a narrow, tiny, pokey little road, and if it's blocked at all, there isn't a hope of any of the emergency services getting in. It's a bit like Cove and Bell Valley Bridge, one way in and one way out. There is no easy way to get into Inchidani if that road is blocked because some idiot has left his car or her car on a double yellow line. You can't get an ambulance down. can't get a fire brigade down. can't get a coast guard wagon down. Just, if you're doing this again, just please think of others, will you? For goodness sake. A bit like the litter. More people sent to me at the weekend, but there should be more bins. Yes, of course there should be more bins. There should be more collections. Of course there should be more collections. 
Absolutely they should, particularly in the peak months. But hey, we could also take our junk home with us too. Ah, to Fountainstown. I was mentioning the buses to Fountainstown, Louise, and how they'd made life easier in some way for people trying to get in and out, but they brought their own problems. Good morning. Hello, how are you? How are you doing? The 220 goes down there, what, every half an hour, every 40 minutes or so? Well, uh, to Fountainstown on a Sunday, it's actually every hour and a half. Okay, okay. But they actually send down extra buses, you know, we stay all morning and afternoon because they actually see the crowds up in the city waiting to get on the bus, so they actually put on extra buses at that time. Yes. But unfortunately, on the way home, that's not the case. So you end up with like 100, 200 people in the heat waiting. Oh, so they put on extra buses to get them down there. <clears throat> Absolutely, and you know, this is the issue, like they're taking the money, the return tickets from families, people in general, whatever, and then we're in the shop and people are coming in and some of them are crying because they've got children buggies and they've got a big gang of teenagers pushing their way forward when the bus eventually does arrive. Yeah. And, you know, like we had one gentleman over the weekend, he dislocated his finger, he had come down the bus the lifeguards don't attend to that kind of injury. And he came in and he says, I don't know what I'm going to do. The last two buses haven't arrived at all. Because if the bus comes via Cross Avon, it fills up. It doesn't bother coming to Fountainstown. Yeah. And they don't bus instead, you know. I completely forgot that, Louise, that yeah. they would put on the extra buses to get them down. But of course, they mm-hmm. might necessarily have one for every everybody and in the audience to get them back. Fully aware of the amount of people they've brought down. Fully aware. I talked to the busman because just on Sunday, two buses hadn't arrived, which is like, you can imagine, that's a three-hour wait. Look at what the temperatures were. Yeah. People were afraid to leave the bus stop and, you know, get on it you know, for another hour, play or whatever, because they would have lost their place for the bus that would finally come. Oh. So some people were four hours waiting for a bus with children. In, 20, in 29 degrees? Oh, God. It was carnage. We were putting sun cream on people because they, you know, they had small kids that they had kept in the buggy for the two-hour trip, you know. And there was an old gentleman, partially disabled, very stressed out. I had to get my brother to take him home. Yeah. You know, it's it's just kind of almost against human rights to see this kind of stuff going on. You wouldn't see it anywhere else in the world. No, it's very true. I've Where I came back from my holidays, I never saw a local bus service like it. Like, I never... I mean, the, we had one bus stop, which was 200 yards away from, from where we were staying. And yeah. if there was one bus route going through it, there was 20. And there was oh, a bus... Yeah. You wouldn't wait more than maybe, I'd say, eight minutes for a bus any time yeah. until midnight, do you know? Well, look, it's very different for people up in the city because buses come so frequently. Missing a bus is kind of no big deal. They're yes. really stressed about getting to work. But down here, it's like, on most days, it's every hour on the half hour the bus comes. That's right. But on the weekends in particular, or during heat waves, or, you know, not, well, we don't get that many heat waves, but on busy days, everyone from Myrtleville comes over the hill to Fountainstown because they know that if they go up to Myrt- or up to the rugby club, that's going to be a full bas- bus passing them all the time. So it's a big congregation. And it gets dangerous. We had to call the guards on Sunday because there was bloodshed. I mean, it was just... What? What happened? It was insane. Gangs of teenagers and a father fighting with them because they had pushed the wife and the buggy out of the way to get on. They're just inebriated and a bit boisterous and don't care. Oh, God. And it gets frightening. You know, at some point it gets frightening. 
I will say I spoke to the bus driver who did eventually arrive with a half full bus, I'll add. And I said, there's going to be trouble. Have you got your security? Because they last year they sent out security. And I said, I think the last bus didn't turn up. And he said, there is the last two buses. He looked severely frustrated. And the response was that sometimes the bus driver calls them sick and they don't have anyone on call. That's true. That's absolutely, and particularly on a Sunday when they have a, a, a smaller roster anyway. Louise, yeah. thanks. I hope you've had, I haven't been able to get down at all to see yourself and mum for After. the last <laughs> yeah. couple of months, but I'll see you before the season is out for sure. That's Louise Cantwell. Um, Angela Cantwell's daughter from the famous Angela's Shop in Fountainstown. And they have a board's eye view because they, the shop is right across from the bus stop. So you've got all these buses coming down, bringing all these people down to Fountainstown, which is great. And they need buses out of it as well. 0818 96 96 96. Thanks, Louise. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96 FM. Every afternoon, I'm playing the biggest songs from these guys. My name is George Ezra. Hi, I'm Lizzo. This is Harry Styles. I've got prizes to give away. Ah, hello. Hello. Good news, you're our winner. Well done. <laughs> Sometimes even dating advice. You, 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 like a fling at night, but you know what I mean? There's so many, so many times you can be flung. You know, you're just sick of being flung after a while. Let me show you what it's all about. Simon Murdoch, midday to 4 p.m. With Sky VIP. At Sky, everyone's a VIP. Visit the VIP section of the My Sky app to discover your rewards. On Cork's 96 FM. Great to see the beaches crowded and busy and everyone flocking to the coast. And I believe, because I didn't get there, I believe the water was gorgeous as well over the weekend. But there was a couple of problems with weaver fish all over the place and also the blocking of the road in Clonakilty and not enough buses down to Fountain And of course, you always thronged with Iron Man. But it's a good complaint. It's a good complaint. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Siobhan, how, how is Dean, first and foremost? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, he's, he's, he's doing okay. He's, um, he's not too bad. He's fine now. Okay. We'll talk about the secondary thing later on, but tell me what happened to him in the first place. So we live by the beach ourselves. We live in Wexford. So my kids would be, you know, well used to the water. We go to the beach often. We're only back from Grand Canaria and had been in Tramore the day before. So we went to photo wildlife and to stop off at the beach then on the way home wouldn't have been out the ordinary. I wouldn't have had any concerns. You know, I suppose I was just comfortable myself letting them in the water. Um, We got to the beach. Uh, Dean, we had Dean's friend Flynn for the day as well. Um, I have four kids myself. I have a baby. So my three kids and Dean's friend went into the water, um, only up to their knees, maybe at the bottom of their shorts. Um, and Flynn, the, the friend, went out a little bit. So Darren kind of pushed him back. Then my son Mark was trying to hold on to Dean. And then Darren pushed Mark onto the little pier thing, the little pillar. But then Dean, out of nowhere, to the left of Darren, was just sucked right around. He was just, it was just, I didn't even have my shoes on or my socks. He, the minute I went into the water, he was just sucked right around. So my son, Mark, had a hold of his hand. Now, he's only, God love me, he's not even nine yet. And he was holding him as hard as he could, and then he had to let go. He couldn't hold him anymore. Darren was then trying to hold Mark. It was just, oh, it was awful. 
Um, so Dean then got sucked under and right around the pillar bit at the beach where the water is. Oh my God. That's terrifying to watch. Yeah. Uh, and then I had my one-year-old son. Now, we had no one else with us. So I had my one-year-old baby in my arms. So the option was run in and try and help Darren or do I put the baby in the water? Like you actually, in that moment, you're risking, what the hell do I do? If I put my one-year-old down, he's going to die because I'm in knees deep myself now trying to get in. And my one-year-old obviously cannot swim. Or like, what do I do? It was just pure panic. So I screamed for my son, Mark, who'd got onto the pillar at this point to come down, grab the baby. Mark grabbed the baby, ran out to the sand with Flynn. My other son, Jesse, hadn't even really gone into the water. So he was up by the sand at this point, And Dean just kept going under. He was going further and further out. And the more Darren was going in, the more that Dean kept, kept getting separated. God. And then so, how long was this going on for? It probably felt like an eternity. I think realistically, this was probably about a minute and a half, two minutes of Dean going under and getting taken further away. Um, and then to the left of it, to the right of this, sorry, there was two fellas then who were like, this was right where this happened. There was just this massive current um, right to the left of that, to the right of that. Um, there was two fellas who weren't in the current, but seeing what was going on and could hear people shouting. And they actually put themselves in that position to get Dean because Darren tried three times and Darren was struggling himself now to breathe. He How couldn't physically get He's 34. He's he's my husband. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was one of the kids. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, no, one of the kids, my eldest son, did have a hold of Dean's hand. He's only nine, but let go. I see. Because um, he couldn't hold him anymore, which he's now flipping traumatised about. God love him. Um, so, yeah, the two fellas then managed to get Dean, and then they were putting their own heads underwater, nearly drowning, to keep Dean's head afloat. So they were struggling. James was really struggling. He ended up needing hospital attention as well. Right. So they got him out. Did they get him out of it? How long did it yeah, take him to get him? Um, it took the lifeguards now because they were way up on the beach. So it took them. Like, the, by the time the lifeguards got down, James and Paddy actually had Dean kind of at knees length again. They had him kind of brought out, but James was struggling to breathe at this point. And Dean had gone a colour I'd never seen him go before. He was gone like a grey blue, like a purple. Oh, right. Yeah. So there was just, just, it felt like a lifetime, but it probably, the whole situation was probably all in all about four minutes, I'd say. Okay, okay. And the lifeguards got there and did what they needed to do and and thankfully Dean was okay and he was taken away. Was he taken away for observation or did they just let him go home? No, Dean was taken away. Well, there was a doctor that just happened to be there that said, um, you know, to keep an eye on him, that he didn't think that Dean had swallowed a lot of water because, like, your natural instinct is to, like, hold your breath Mm. um, when he was going under the water. But I knew myself, he was screaming. I could hear my son saying, help, help, and then getting sucked under. So I knew he'd swallowed water. So I was keeping an eye and then, like, at 4 o'clock that morning, he coughed and grabbed his rib and had a temperature. So I didn't even give him cowpole or neurofen. I went straight to A&E. Yeah, I just so went straight to this, was, this was what happened. So he he was okay, and he came round. Yeah. And then, yeah. literally 4 o'clock the following morning, describe what happened. Yeah, so he was fine. Uh, we came home. Uh, he had something to eat. He did complain of a pain in his belly, but again, that would be normal as well, it, just even drinking salt water. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Sure. So I wasn't overly concerned about him having a pain in his belly and the fact his body had gone into shock 
yeah, it's like anxiety. But again, I wasn't overly worried about a pain in his belly. And then I obviously, being a mammy, I just didn't sleep that night. I made myself sit on the couch and put him on the couch with his blanket because I thought if I go into a deep sleep and I don't hear anything, I don't hear him cough or I don't see him change colour, something bad. And I then had this fear like Dean was going to die. That was just all I could think about. So I sat on the couch and then at about, yeah, about quarter to four, four o'clock, he coughed and grabbed his rib. So I then felt his head and he had a temperature and I just went straight to A&E then. Right. And, and they told you, I think, did they tell you, was it secondary drowning? So the symptoms I was told to watch out for was, second, was the temperature, vomiting, coughing, anything like that. So when he presented with them symptoms, like I said, I went straight to A&E. Got to A&E, they examined his lungs and his lungs were actually quite clear. It was just um, more, he actually drank the seawater, which was making him sick. Then he actually vomited and got sick all the seawater. He actually got up all the water then at about six o'clock. I see. Um, and he had the temperature and stuff like that, which now can bring on a viral infection from the seawater and stuff like that, which I think that James lad that saved him is suffering with at the minute. I was in contact with him and he seems to have an infection in his lungs as well. He was in hospital. Oh crikey! Okay, well, look. At least the young lad is okay. But that's it's it's worth watching. That and I was reading a bit about this this morning, just knowing I'd be talking to you. And you know, you have a fright in the water. Everything seems okay. Watch. You need to watch the child or watch yourself for twenty four hours because you can get these yep. strange symptoms. And if you if you do get yourself or get the child or get the loved one to a hospital quickly. And that's it. You know, looking back now, in theory, when he had that pain in his stomach, I probably should have just gone. I probably should have just, and not kind of said, oh, look, it's fine. He drank a bit of salt water. I should have been more vigilant, and I feel I should have gone to the hospital. Um, because, like I said, he got sick, the seawater, like, not long after he got to the hospital. Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, and a pain in the belly doesn't sound like a lot coming from a seven-year-old. I wouldn't be inclined to beat yourself about it though, Siobhan. I mean, you know, a pain in his tummy. How many how many six-year-olds or whatever age he is get, get a yeah. pain in their tummy? Do you know, you kind of say, okay, we'll, we'll watch it for a while. And if it gets worse, yeah, we'll, that's, and that's yeah. what you did, you know. But the one thing that if I take anything or anybody takes anything from this, it really is like I'm comfortable around water, as are my children. Like I said, we go on holiday every year. We live by the beach. I'm always watching them. Of course, as a mammy or a daddy, you're always watching your kids anyway. But there was one comment on one of the articles. Someone had said, who let the kid out that far? When I mean to tell you the child was only a couple of metres in with his father. He was with my husband the whole time and he actually got sucked away. Like, that's no lie or exaggeration. I was shocked it happened like that. And just to be so aware, because now I'm going to be more aware than what I ever have been. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to be comfortable anymore. I'm going to be cautious, but not make them scared. My nine-year-old who who had a hold of Dean's hand, like, uh, he only said this morning, like, we're away camping at the minute up the mountain as far away from water as possible, by the way. <laughs> um, and he said this morning, he said, Mammy, he said, uh, I, I had a really weird dream. I said, well, what, what was your dream about? And he said, I had a dream that I was underwater, but this time I could actually breathe. And it just goes to show, like, the effects that it actually oh, yeah. has on the children afterwards, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, you live by the sea and you're used to it and all that, but we all know the one most important thing about the sea, Siobhan, it can turn on you in the blink of an eye. 
And that's exactly what it did. And Dean is so small. I know it's not anything got to do with weight or anything, but he's so small and tiny. It, it just took him. He was just gone. He was sucked under and then sucked right around. And I mean to say this as well. I've been in touch with the two fellas who did save him. If it weren't for them, like Dean would genuinely, we'd be having a very different conversation. I'd be going to a funeral. Like there's no two ways about it. Like Dean was gone yeah. if it wasn't for them. Two people. And, yeah. and, and how's, how's Darren? How's his dad? How are you? Are you all right? I'm okay. Darren's actually broke up. He needed his legs, his back. He's all scratched and um, obviously from trying to get Dean. I think Darren's more kind of the guilt because he'd had a hold of him twice. He actually had a hold of Dean twice and then physically they got separated. Darren was being pulled to the left. Dean was being pulled just out. Dean was just kept going further and further away with the, he was going, he was getting pulled under a wave and then coming out the far side. Whereas Darren was getting pulled the other way and coming back to the shore. They were just getting pulled apart, like the, no, the, 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 the power of the sea. He did his best, and he could do no more. Yeah. And for not even being that far out, I think that's what frustrated yeah. me more. That if he was out far, I could say, "Well, you know, God, look, he was out far," or blah blah blah. But yeah. he, like, he he was knees length. He wasn't even gone that far, which yeah. is more scary. I think that we're not aware all the time. Yeah, yeah, it can. I mean, look. We all we all love the sea, and it's it's lovely to get into it when you can. But you, you just just the level of it it can just take over in seconds. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's exactly what it did. I'm just very. Uh, you all right, Siobhan? It's gone. The line's gone. Anyway, she's camping on the side of a mountain, well away from the sea. Siobhan ridden. That's yeah. And to the two lads, did she say Paddy and James were their names? Hope they're okay, and that Darren will. Look, it wasn't anything to do, it was nothing to blame there. But it's, it's just a salutary tale on many levels. The, the, the sea can just whip you away in seconds. But that, I heard about secondary drowning. I didn't quite know what it was. So Darren, or Dean rather, was fine. And he was coming around a bit of a pain in his tummy. And then four o'clock in the morning, he starts spiking the temperature and coughing and all that and feeling sick. He had water in his belly. Salt water in his belly, uh, and uh, he he got really ill. Thank you, Siobhan, and I hope everything will be okay for everybody there. And to the two lads who intervened, is it James and Paddy? She said, and to the life lifeguards, well done to all on the buses and the beaches. I just complained to Boss Aaron, says Mags, about the exact same thing regarding the two twenty from Fountainstown the other week. And she got a reply, which she sent to us. What is it here now? Uh, uh, yeah. I refer to your communication in relation to the 220. I regret the difficulties you're experiencing. At Bosserum, we're dedicated to providing punctual and reliable services, which adhere to our scheduled timetable. It's most disappointing to hear of events. In the event of disruption of services, every effort is made to return to the normal timetable as quickly as possible and to minimise disru- disruption. Please be advised, we're still operating under difficult circumstances, etc., etc. Please be assured we'll continue to monitor our services to improve service delivery, etc., etc., etc. Saying absolutely nothing. Uh, Someone heard me talking about the storm at the start of the programme. PJ, you obviously weren't in Middleton last night. We live around two miles outside Middleton on the Yall side. Unbelievable thunder and lightning for hours and torrential rain. Tank, the poor, the tank, name of the dog. Tank, the poor dog, was terrified. 
and hid under a table and under the clothes in the utility room, shaking. The TV packed up for a while due to lightning. He didn't miss much. Miss much. There wasn't a whole pile on last night. And there, there was 15 flashes a minute and the house shook with the sound of thunder. We had a few hours of it. Couch said, lucky you missed it. That said, we also slept with all the windows open because of the humidity. But the air is lighter today. You were so lucky that storm missed you, says Catherine. Actually, Catherine, I love an old storm. And the missus loves an old storm. But yeah, the poor animals are terrified. We watch our cats. And I knew we weren't going to get any kind of a bad storm last night because the two cats looked to go out uh, around about maybe half eleven or so. And though they came straight back in again when they'd done their business. But they... They look to go out. And one of my cats in particular is better than any weather forecaster. We know by her movements what the weather's going to be like. And they came in and went out. Yeah. 0818969696. Where am I going? Okay, let me click that button for a start. We're moving on. Okay, Claire is on WhatsApp. Hi, Claire. Good morning. Good morning. A bike was stolen, Claire. Yeah. Yes, my dad's bike um, from inside of Argus and Man Point on Friday. Inside? Inside, yeah. It was, um, it's an electric bike. We bought it for him for his 60th birthday last year. Right. Um, me, my two brothers and my two sisters. Um, and he went over to Argus to buy a fan, obviously, with the weather. Um, and he, the, a gentleman in the shop was showing him two fans and some gentleman came in and just took the bike from inside the store. Just like that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, I, I take it there's no sign of it yet, no? No, the guards are involved. Um, like, it's not the fact of the bike. It's the sentimental... Ah, yeah, but the sentimental value is very important, but it's an expensive bike. I take it that Argos would have CCTV and all that out, track. Yes, the guards have looked into that, um, just nothing as of yet. Right. They're hoping to look at more CCTV from Mahan Point. They believe that it was on foot. Okay, okay. So he, he walked out with it, so hopefully... Someone literally walked into a busy store, yeah. got on a bike, or took a bike out. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Yeah. Stopping. So I, I just the only reason why I rang was because obviously it means so much to my dad sure because we bought it for him. Ah, yeah. I just want that if anybody sees it up for sale or at, like it's an electric bike, okay, so they'd need to buy it, a charger. It describe it for me. So it's called, I tell you there now exactly what the name of the bike is. It's black. Um, it's an Estro okay. electric bike. It's all black. Um, the battery pack was on it right. as it was in the store. He didn't find that he had to take it off. He thought it would be safe. Um, so the, like they will need to purchase a charger for the battery. Yeah, and are there a specialised charger? You can't just plug this thing anywhere, no? No, no. Okay. okay. No. So you, you charge it like with a three-pin socket from your house. Right. But, but need... we've Googled it and you can buy them from Amazon or anywhere. Right, okay. Okay, okay. You know, so... And what time 
was it taken, do you know? Um, that. Now I will also tell you it was roughly so 140 was when my dad sent me a picture of the bike and had been taken at that stage. So I suppose about half past one. Okay. And Friday, was it? Friday, yeah. Friday. Half past one Friday from Argus and Mahan Point. Black electric bike yes. taken. It'll have gone flat by now if the guy was driving it away. But that doesn't mean yeah. that, 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 that doesn't, I know, look. No. With a, with a bit of luck, the CCTV will, will pin someone down. pick something up. Yeah, all right. Yeah. All right, Claire. And uh, I suppose Dad is disgusted, is he? Oh, he's devastated. Like, if anybody knows my dad, they know he's always on his bike. <laughs> he goes now he has a car obviously but like he he's out in it all the time and it would just mean so much to us to get it back for him okay alright you know alright well look you know sometimes and I'm not saying that this is what happened sometimes these things are taken for for a laugh and left around the corner so if anybody which you know it's kind of a sick kind of a laugh but if anybody came across mm-hmm. an electric bike abandoned or whatever they can contact you or contact us. You're, you've put yeah. stuff on Facebook, haven't you? Or contact Black, I Rock, have. Guard, Black Rock Guards. Yeah. Okay. Yes, um, I've also put it on Instagram as well, so they can contact me on either one. All right. You'd never know. You'd never know, Claire. This, you, know what, you know what I've learned doing this program? There's an awful lot of nasty stuff out there, but there's some very, very good people out there too. And, That's and, it. And That's on any it. day of the week, and I say this, and people I don't, sometimes don't say this often enough, there's, more, there's far more good people out there than bad ones. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, look, hopefully we've everything crossed that he'll get it back, so. Okay. All right, Claire, listen. Good luck uh, with that. I hope, I hope it works out. Okay. I really do hope it works out. BJ, Cheers. thanks a million. Not at all. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. That's clear. 20 to 2, or thereabouts, half past one, 20 to 2, Friday, taken from inside the Argos store in Man. Now, sometimes the shops... Hold on. Sorry, lads, I just sneezed. Sometimes the um, the shops do let you bring in a, an expensive electric bike. I, I, I wasn't aware of that. But if anybody has come across it or has seen a bike abandoned or knows who took it or... Do you know what? I'd say even if whoever took it has a conscience and is listening, just get it back and I don't think there'd be too much going on. Do you know what I mean? Couldn't say now, but... 0818 96 96 96. This came in uh, Friday, and I'm going to read it before I go to a break. I mentioned pigeons last week. Someone messaged in about pigeons and how maybe disgusting they were, and I say I like pigeons. I don't want my name mentioned or to name who's doing this. I'm not going to say where this came from either. But up near me, there's a pigeon loft and the owner leaves the pigeons out every morning for the first hour after this happens we are destroyed in pigeon poo the pats are all slippy the washing on the line is destroyed after the first hour it dies down a bit but I still feel like crying I can't put the washing out I can't park the car and I'm out every morning with a power hose what can I do? I don't want to be going around reporting people and causing bad feeling. And even if I did, I don't think there's a whole pile I can do about it. Well, 
the person who has the pigeon loft has to leave the moat because they have to be left out to do their business, as it were. Yeah, I know. There's nothing worse. There is nothing worse than dog poo, or than um, board poo on your. We had we went through a few weeks of it in the early part of the summer, where for some reason, best known to themselves, every starling for a square mile decided they're going to have a poo on my deck, and I was out more mornings with a mop and bucket and a cloth, and you know yourself, and I had to do sometimes do it twice. They stopped eventually. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. And you're like that. The washing is destroyed. Ruined. I was sitting... I'll tell you this before I go to break. It's a true story. I was sitting out one morning. It was a beautiful Saturday morning. Late spring, and I did what I often do on a Saturday morning. I got up early, and I made a coffee and some toast, and sat out with a book. And morning was lovely. I'd say, what, 20 past eight, half eight. And just as I went to pick up my coffee... There was a plop. And just say I didn't drink the coffee. Couldn't drink the coffee. So I know what you're talking about up there. The Cork Diary. Cork's 96 FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and respite fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Courts 96 FM. Mentioned y'all and that they had a bumper weekend uh, down there. In particular, I'm delighted to see my young pals, the Ben Half Half Twins, had a great weekend down there in the junior Iron Man. But Catherine Fahey of Glenmire, third overall. Well done, you. Thank you. Thanks, Lillian. How long are you doing? Ironman events and how did you start? Um, that was actually my first one. Um, that was my first 70.3 Ironman. So it was probably one of the most amazing experiences I think I've ever had in any sport. Um, I only took it up when I retired from basketball. Um, right. Kind of around 2015, 16, but I was just doing sprints kind of around the country. Right. Um, just time-wise and stuff, it was a bit easier. But two years ago, I during lockdown, <laughs> I took the challenge to take on the, the Ironman event in Yol, and obviously it was cancelled last year. So it's been a long time coming around, but yeah. it was unbelievable. So the 70, that's the half Ironman, isn't it? Tell me what yeah, that entails. Yeah, the half Ironman. That, what does that entail? So we don't... 1.9 kilometer swim past the all lighthouse at sunrise. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to try and make it appealing. <laughs> uh, we had a, a 90k bike out along the coast and climbed up through Middleton, and then we had a 21 and a half marathon through the streets of Yall. Now, Windmill Hill is probably the one word I think is trending. Yeah, it was like a scene out of Tour de France. It the people of Yall pushed us up that hill. <laughs> yeah, because I thought, was... thought they'd at least had the decency to bring people down it. They didn't. <laughs> I mean, that, that hill might as no. well be vertical. It's brutal. Uh, I, walked, I walked it yesterday and honestly I stopped and I actually just wondered how I got up it. But it was like a vacuum. The people, the cheering, 
the it was just it was I honestly it was like something out of the Tour de France. I was watching was some of the videos coming up over the weekend and there was a yeah. few people down there who might have, you know, mobile homes and stuff and down in Yall for most of the summer and they were taking fabulous pictures. Like it was an idyllic weekend weather wise. Was the cycle the hardest part, Catherine? Um, no, to be honest, the run probably was. Um, the cycle, I was lucky enough, I had been at home there kind of two or three weeks ago, so I cycled the route, so I kind of knew kind of where to go hard, where to go easy. Like, it, it, there's a couple of pokey hills there that you just definitely needed to be, but the scenery, like going out around East Ferry there, oh my God, it's just yeah. stunning. Um, the run the run was probably the toughest, even though it was flat, and I think it was probably the heat, to be honest, but um I, I swear, I'm so glad there's no water charges because if there was, I think every athlete would be donating to the people of y'all. There was garden hoses, there was water guns, there really? was buckets of water. It was, oh, and it was like they'd ask you before they'd spray you just in case. But right, because I, I heard that. <laughs> I, I didn't see any video of it, but I did hear there was people oh literally coming out God. with their sprinklers and, and sprinkling people as they passed it. Ah, oh, that was brilliant. Of course, there'd be people saying... The, the housing estate that we the housing estate that we went through, a lady had built an archway right. and it was an Ironman archway and she had the sprinklers built into the archway and you ran Get through out it. of here. Like, the, like, that is, that's Cork. That is the, the people of Cork and just the generosity was, oh, every yeah. international athlete I spoke to, that's the one thing they mentioned every single time was the welcome they felt from yeah. the people of y'all. Uh, it, it's fantastic. And tell me, not only were you third female, but you were first in your age group. <laughs> you qualified for the next world championships? Yeah, so <laughs> slots are allocated to each race. So for our race, there was the first person in each age group got an, an allocation slot to the World Championships in Finland next year. Oh. So for my, my first Ironman, it's it's pretty awesome, to be honest. Yeah, that's a one word, one way of looking at it. <laughs> it's a tough event, like, Catherine. I, mean, I don't know how you do it. I mean, I love a swim, but 1.9 kilometres in the sea at 6 o'clock in the morning, no thanks. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I went out yesterday and spent the day on the streets yesterday and whatever about our event, I think you can, you know, be co competitive. Now, Chris Mintron, who who won the men's yesterday, yeah. full Ironman, I'm sure he, he's quite competitive as a pro athlete. And, but I actually don't know how they do it, to be honest with you. You know, double the distance that we did on Saturday. If somebody told me I had to go out and do another loop on the bike, I think I probably would have just hopped off. But <laughs> amazing, just like amazing achievement with those Ironman athletes yesterday yeah. as well. And, yeah. and again, congratulations to you and to everyone who took part. Is it coming back next year or what's the story? I know there was a plan that I'd be yeah. there for Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Like, I think the worry was if the swim had been cancelled again, they probably would have pulled. But I think after the weekend, it was such a success from start to finish. Organisation from Ironman themselves, Triathlon Ireland, all the associated, the Cork County Council. I think everybody was asking when it's on next year rather than if it's on. Yeah. Um, Kate was saying she was down in Yall for the weekend. Everything was perfect, really well run. The town, the businesses, well behind it. Couldn't be more helpful, except the roads are in an awful state. I don't know how the competitors endured the condition of the roads. W were they in bad, Nick? 
the, uh, the number one topic of conversation on our Iron, Ironman group um, was, will we use a TT bike or a road bike? For, so for those that wouldn't understand, a TT bike is for the flat road surface and the nice tarmac, and a road bike is for kind of the Irish typical roads. Yeah, like there was definitely parts where the vibrations are going up through your arms and you could certainly feel it. But like all in all, it's reflective of our, you know, the country roads. It adds to it. If you want a flat, fast Ironman bike, head to Spain or, you know, somewhere else. So I think it adds to it a little bit. You know, it wasn't dangerous, which is the most important thing. Great. Listen, Catherine, congratulations again. Uh, and, and thanks for describing it brilliantly, the atmosphere at the Ironman in Yall over the weekend. Another place where there was an astonishing atmosphere. I mentioned it at the very top of the programme. I've been to a number of gigs this summer. I was at Ed Sheeran in, what, back in April in Dublin. I was at Elton John in July. And I was at West, I was at Marquee a couple times. I was at Westlife the other night. And as an entertainment package, as an entertainment package, Westlife top the lot stunning entertainment package Noreen you were there you had a great night good morning hi hiya hi Peter how are you good good night good great night brilliant brilliant fantastic concert and couldn't have any fault in it I just want to say a big thank you to MCD Productions um, especially Tony Siobhan and Claire and Ashley for their help with me for the parking support they gave me um, I scoliosis and without their support I wouldn't have been able to get to the seating area that they gave me or the parking and were, were you able to get into the blue badge place were you? I was yeah Brilliant. I emailed them on Monday and they sent me the pass immediately and um, they also told me that they take care of my ticket situation my ticket was for 409 which I wouldn't have not been able to get up to it so they put me in the disabled area, which was perfect. I saw everything and it was absolutely brilliant. I just want to give a big thank you to them. And they did a great job. I actually saw that area and yeah. they had some view. Yeah, it was great. I mean, like, I don't usually use a wheelchair constantly. Yes. But for walking, I would have to, uh, the distance, uh, my partner pushed me um, in the wheelchair. But um, when we got there, like, they were so helpful and they brought me right up to the front and I couldn't thank them so much. But a very special thank you to Tony, Siobhan and Claire and Natalie. They were outstanding. All right. And it was a fantastic show. Thank you, uh, Noreen. And well done. We were talking a lot about that access last week. Um... And we still don't quite know why you had to have a special pass to get into the Blue Badge area. But you know what? They gave them out, which is what's most important. And that's great to know that there was there was help there for, for Noreen on, on Friday night. Um, and I would have, if I could have, I had plans for Saturday. But if I could have gone out, queued up and gone back in again to see it a second time on Saturday, I would have done. What a fabulous show. 0818-969696. On the subject of y'all and Ironman... Tony says, why don't they just reintroduce the Yall railway line? We're hearing with all this public transport stuff, it's a no-brainer. <clears throat> Look at the way you could, excuse me. Look at the way you could run events down there, quite apart from being a hot weather destination. Tony, you are singing off my hymn sheet. I think it was the most idiotic, stupid decision to not reintroduce the, the Yall railway line. They closed it whenever they closed it. And they decided a couple of years ago that, no, it's better off having a cycleway or a greenway. The Yall railway line is an absolute no-brainer. Absolute no-brainer. Couldn't agree with you more, Tom. When we're a 
adoring Adele. Are you thinking, it's not easy on me? And has our love of Justin Bieber got you not wanting to stay? What I want. Tell us the music you want to hear. And what songs should disappear with the Cork's 96FM Music Panel. Take our 10-minute music survey. And you could win a 100 euro penny voucher. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. C96FM.ie The lines are live And we're ready to talk Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96 Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 Email opinion at 96FM.ie The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan On Cork's 96FM yeah, a lot of people saying how brilliant uh, Catherine was. Um, hi, PJ. Huge congratulations to Catherine from all of the Fahey, Heslin and Murphy families. What she didn't tell you is that she had a bad fall the day before. Long story. And still she went out and did so well. She's an absolute machine. Thank you for that. Well done. And well done to everyone who took part in Ironman and it's just such a huge huge event for y'all I remember the 2019 event we went down and did a big feature in the summer before Ironman arrived or the Ironman arrived and in the end because of the weather it was a, almost a write off they had to cancel the swim and all of that but it's back and it was done in perfect conditions and a great weekend had for, by everybody in in y'all I don't know if you're following this story from Norway and I'm reading it since last night and a lot of people are very angry about it and others are saying what other option did they have but this was Freya the walrus and we had Wally here last year visiting us climbing up on boats and dinghies and all that Freya over the weekend she was a 6,000 kilogram female walrus a young beast by all accounts and I'm looking at a picture of her here <laughs> sleeping on a boat I and mean, she's almost sinking the boat and she had chased a duck presumably she wanted her dinner attacked a swan as well and had climbed up on a number of these small boats to sleep and like there's a picture of her here again on, on, a, on a, like she's doing damage to that boat um, now they are um protected species and all of that they're normally not aggressive but if they feel threatened they can attack and the Norwegian authorities decided that the best way to deal with it was put her down which they did they they euthanized her and a lot of people talking about it being a really cruel thing to do and, and all of that and look she eventually moved on on her own and whatever but they made that decision and a lot of people not happy about it at all. Lovely creature, beautiful, huge. She's huge. And she's a baby. Um, Tim says, can you play I Am the Walrus for Freya, who was murdered in Norway? We are all walruses. Thanks, Tim. I'm wondering, is your tongue a little bit in your cheek there? But it is a story. 0818 96 96 96. Also, re-Iron Man. Um, huge congratulations to Will who completed Ironman yesterday and in the process raised over €10,000 
for finding Charlie's voice. We've had finding Charlie's voice on the opinion line, a newly formed charity aiming to help children with speech and language communication needs. Everyone is so proud of him. That's for uh, Julie and Connor. If you look for finding Charlie's voice, you'll find their GoFundMe page. We've we've had them on before. It's it's a fabulous, fabulous charity. And we still don't have the Greenway, says Betty. It's taking forever. I know, I know. I'd love to have the... I think the railway line would have been a great idea to keep. Anyway, that's that. And we'll come back to you all and anything else concerning it in in the fullness of time. But I was talking in the last couple of days talking to Julie. So Julie, your mum has had a mastectomy recently. Sorry to hear that. I hope she's on the mend. But unfortunate experience at CUH in the last couple of days. Yes, so she went in on Thursday, probably about lunchtime on Thursday, and she was asked to sit on a chair and just wait to be called for a ward or a bedding award. And about 11 o'clock that evening, she was told, look, there's there's probably no chance you'll get a bed tonight or get into a ward. So unfortunately, you'll probably be sli- or sleeping on this chair. Right. And this chair, PJ, was shot. Like, you don't mind sitting on a chair for, you know, waiting for an hour or two, but my God, all night long. Yeah, you sent us a picture, and yet, like you say, it's a, it's a comfortable chair for an hour or two, but not for the night. Not for a night, and you know, she, like my mom has an infection, and you know, the infection is nearly have taken over her whole body. All she wants to do is sleep, and she can't sleep. She said, "Julie, anytime I'm dozing off to sleep, she's nearly falling off the chair because there's no, you know, when on an airplane you'd nearly have that headrest that nearly kind of hugs your head. So when you do doze off, your head kind of falls, yeah. it catches, supports your head." It doesn't yeah. even have that. It has nothing. Yeah. When did you have the mastectomy done, Jill? About five, four or five weeks ago now. Right. And is she in a lot of pain with the infection and stuff? She was flying it for the first maybe three or four weeks. And this week then it kind of hit her hard. She was, I'd say, maybe the last two days she's been very sick. All she wants to do is sleep, high temperature, um, in big pain. It's very red. It's swollen. Yeah. So she went up to the, the breast clinic and they sent her straight up to the hospital. Yes, yes. So on Friday then she eventually got off the chair and got put yeah. on a ward. No, not ideal. No. again so what happened then was she was told on the Friday afternoon that look we have a bed for you upstairs so my mum was thrilled because as I said all she wants to do is sleep she got no sleep at this stage brought upstairs brought into a ward full of men 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 yes men yeah Right. And as I said, like, you know, my mom had a mastectomy. That's where the infection is. That's where she'll be examined and treated. And like, like, that's just awful. It's awful. Very uncomfortable. And was that just for the weekend or is that where she'll be until she's all sorted out? So they had said to her, they said, look, when my mom was placing the ward full of those men, they, my, they did say to my mom, look, Paula, we are trying our best to get you into a ward full of women. So at that stage, PJ, my mom was just like, I just want to lie down in the bed and go to sleep. Like, you know, she was exhausted, mm. absolutely exhausted. And um, but like, I can't even imagine how, how uncomfortable it is so when she does wake up like and she might be, exa- as I said, it being examined and treated and she'll have to open up her pyjama top. Like, I know she they could pull the curtains, but like, it's not fair. It's it's very wrong. No. And she will want to go to the toilet and she'll want yeah. to do her. Yeah. Yeah, and she's sore, and that's where it's sore, and that's where, you know, that's that's where the chat is, you know, it's all about that area, and for men then to be on either side of her listening. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's horrible, it's a horrible situation that she's in. 
And there's no blame to the staff. They're just working with what they have, but they clearly don't have a bed for her in, in a woman's ward. It. Yeah, that's it. And she, like she said, those staff up there from the doctors, nurses, catering staff and cleaning staff are absolute superheroes. They're absolutely fantastic. And it's not their fault. And she's like, we're not faulting them at all at all. But it's just, it's the health system. It's it's cash. Yeah, the idea that you'd be put into a, a room with men in it and you being treated for something as personal and sensitive as uh, infection after a mastectomy yeah yeah it's it's awful it's it's an, an awful situation that she's in and the fact that she's so sick as well like she's really it's really up taking a toll on her this week and she's just not been thrown in there now with a load of men and just just wait there and if we get a bed for you this evening with other women then yeah. then we'll, we'll, we'll obviously put you in there but it's just a, it's a waiting game now I suppose and are you able to get into her to so see her? So once you had the mastectomy, I was, so there was one one um, visitor allowed a day. So we were. I was allowed to get into her, but I don't know now about this week if I'll be able to get in or not. Yeah, and that's even more distressing for her because at least if she, if she was there and you can get in and out to her, because I know you're very close, you could yeah. do little jobs for her and you can help her with maybe some of the more personal stuff and things like that, but mm. yeah. I know, and nothing, and like, you know, I suppose if she was in a ward full of women, she might have a little chat, or, you know, but like, it's very uncomfortable talking to, I, don't, I think there's like four men in there. Yeah, look, they could, they could be the nicest men in the world, but it's not where you want to be with it's, something so personal. Yeah, exactly, exactly that, and um, yeah, it's it's awful, it's really, really awful up there, and again, as I said, it's nothing got to do with any of the staff up there, they're all brilliant, but it's just a horrible, horrible situation now that she's in. Okay, Julie, keep me posted in case she would get out of that ward, but but and I hope that she does into a, a women's ward. But your point is she should never have been put there in the first place, nor should she have been left waiting on a chair overnight. Overnight, yeah, on a chair overnight, and now she has a bed, but she's in a bed full of um, she's in a ward full of men. Okay, Julie, stay in touch. Give her my best, and we'll talk soon. I will, PJ. Thanks a million for everything. Take care. Now, I spoke to Julie early in the weekend and I've been keeping in touch with her over the last couple of days. Paula is now out of that ward and on an all-female ward and glad to hear from Julie in the last few minutes. She's doing well and seems to be responding and all of that. And that's really important. But we sent an email to CUH requesting a response with regard to this particular case and they'll always tell you look they can't respond and they can't comment on individual cases and that's fine that's fine but we we, we sent them the details and we que- we queried what was going on and we asked them specifically what was their policy or did they have a policy or was it, was it common practice to mix men and women in one ward like that Here's what they said. The emergency department at Cork University Hospital is exceptionally busy today and over the last number of days. Due to this increased level of activity and subsequent admissions, it is regrettable that some patients may experience a delay. That explains the chair. Nevertheless, care and appropriate treatment continues as the main priority at CUH, where patients are always treated on the priority of a medical need basis. While the hospital cannot comment on an individual case we knew they wouldn't any patient who has any issues regarding the care received should make direct contact with hospital management alternatively complaints can be made directly via your service your say your say at hse.ie or by calling 1890 424 
0818-055-555. That was the response we got. They can't comment on the interview. Okay, we understand that. But they didn't answer the question. They did not address or answer the question, is there still a policy to put men and women together on the one ward? Which they did on Friday or Thursday, Friday. And before Paula got out of that ward, another woman had been put in there with a number of men. So they didn't address that question. 0818-969696. Michael said, my heart goes out to that woman. We don't actually have a government. Governments create plans and solve problems. Now we have a government that just lets things happen and behaves like it was a spectator instead of running the country. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, my comments on the Yall railway line sort of resonate with people. Hi PJ, can't they just integrate a railway into the new greenway down to Yall? <laughs> that would have been a good idea. Of course it would. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now, I don't know if you pick up on these deals when you go to the supermarket. Um, do you know the one? Three cartons of orange juice for the price of two, or you know, dozen and a half eggs for the price of a dozen. That kind of thing. Um, or particularly these ones where if you spend fifty euro you get a, a tenner off or a fiver off. A lot of the supermarkets do that. And we keep the tokens and, and all that crack. Are you actually saving any money? Uh, might you inadvertently be spending more despite yourself? Because guess what? The supermarkets want you to spend more. Supermarkets don't ever want to give you anything for free or anything for less. Not really anyway. Santis O'Gara, who's been on here before, the Caribbean dub and, of course, budget coach on RTE's Consumer Show, The Price of Everything. You've been looking into this, Santis, and they are sort of forcing you to part with more money than you want to, even though you don't think they are. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, Aldi commissioned um, this um, research to be done. And it's saying that because of people chasing, sorry, good morning, by the way, I got right. Good to talk to you again. (laughs) Because of people chasing these specials, they're actually adding an extra 500 euro to their food shop bill at the end of the year. Wow. How does it work? I mean, the special looks like a deal. Like I said, three, three cartons of orange juice for the price of two. I mean, how is that not a deal? Because you know what? How do you know that you're getting the best price anyway if you're going to that one supermarket every single week? The first thing I always say to people, you have to shop around. You have to know your prices for your basic ingredients, your basic pantry buys, your staples that you buy every week. And if you're not going to use three cartons of orange juice in a week, then it doesn't matter if it's a special or not. You're going to end up wasting it. So it's going out the other way as well because... If you're not using it, that's money that you're throwing into the bin because you bought something that wasn't on your list or it wasn't part of your meal plan for that week and it ends up being dumped. And I always say as well, it's not a bargain if you don't need it. 
you know? Um, a lot of people, you know what, for the 50 and you get 10 off? Yes. What a lot of people do, they end up going, oh, geez, you know what, I'm at 48. What can I get? <laughs> what can I put in it? Yeah. And end up spending, you know, it could be, you just throw something in there because you're panicking then. You just want to make that number. Yeah. And it ended up being 54. But you didn't go in there to spend 54. Right. So when those up every single week it ends up being you know quite a lot and then you have people like a supermarket wants you to be loyal to them which is fair enough they're a business like if you take the emotions out of it that's a business that's out there to make money as simple as that the bottom line is they want to report to the board or whatever every year and say we made this at the end of the year and if they keep you loyal to them and you're emotionally attached because it's always been the place we go to and blah 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 you know you're going to be loyal to them they're going to get your money because you're going to come back every week you don't know what's going on in any of the supermarkets so you actually don't know if you're getting the best deal yeah does that make sense convenience Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right i'll do it. sign up now and you'll get unlimited for 15 dollars a month in six months of paramount plus essential plan on us mintmobile.com slash switch upfront payment of 45 dollars, equivalent to 15 dollars per month unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month face lower speeds videos at 480p active mint customers by 531 24 get six months of paramount plus essential plan auto renews after six months offer ends may 31st 2024 separate paramount plus registration required terms and conditions apply if rated pg has a lot to do with that too yes you know I mean and particularly the you mentioned Aldi doing research the Aldis the littles of this world an awful lot of them yes the place how's who's going to win out when you have several choices as I do for example where I live I have several choices can I get a can I get a parking space are the prices reasonable are the open hours suitable to a busy life The one yes. that ticks those boxes is the one that's going to get your custom. It's the truth. And then I always know that, you know, people that live rurally, it's it, with the cost of pre- petrol and everything as well. It might just be, you know, the spot where it's easier for them to go to and it's less cost. Like, so I, I look at everything as well. You know, I'm like, well, it doesn't make sense if you have to drive 20 miles you know, to be able to shop around yeah, and, you know, the cost of petrol. But I always say, you know, 
um, a lady gave me this idea and I thought it was really good. You know, when she's buying her book, so say she goes to Dunn's or Super Value and she knows, okay, in here we get great value for the pasta. We get great value for toilet roll or something like that. She said that's where she literally uses that voucher and she kind of swaps it. They swap it around their family. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant way of really, you know, eco- economic, um, I cannot, oh, I can't even get the word out. Um, we'll really make, yes, that's the word. Thank you so much. <laughs> Economizing um, how much they can spend, you know, and that's yeah. really smart. So I always think, you know, communities are always the ones that win. So if you can club in with somebody or, you know, and make sure you're getting, but if you only stick to one supermarket, you don't know where you're getting value yeah. for money. I You've been you've been talking about reading about um, some of the stuff you did with Extra.ie there recently, and you're saying as yeah. we come into the autumn and the winter now, and look, the cost of living at the moment, anyway, Santos, is is only going yeah. one way. It's only going yeah. one way. The importance of a list and sticking to that list. People think that that's something you say, you know. Oh, everybody says stick to the list, but it really is. Make sure you're buying what your family are going to eat, number one. There's no point trying to set up a four-star restaurant, you know, with your meal plan. Buy the stuff. They like sausages, match and chips. Buy the stuff that your family are going to eat and stick to it. So then if you do go into a supermarket and you see a special like that, you could say, oh, wow, okay, there's sausages there. I can freeze that. That could do me for three meal plans down, the, you know, three weeks down the line or four weeks down the line. That's when those special come comes in handy. If you have it in your budget and if you can stretch it to make sure it feeds your family. Right now, we really have to be cutting, cutting back. We really have to be watching where we're spending our money. Mm-hmm. And I think the list is so important, but the meal plan is so important as well. And, you know, it's all well and good going in and getting the bargain, but you want to make sure you're eating it and you're using it and you're not dumping it mm. as well because that's wasting money on the other side. You made the point as well, we're coming into the autumn and the winter and heating our homes and lighting our homes is going to be more expensive. Yeah. And if you're, if, you're spending, yeah. if you're spending 50 quid where you went in with the intention of spending 40, that's 10 euro that could be going to a heating bill. Well, that's, that's it. Like right now, I'm already putting away any kind of change that I have, any kind of, I'm putting that towards my electricity, my energy bill for the winter, because I don't want to have a fright like I did last year, you know, when those bills were coming in and it's like, wow, that's, that's nearly double. Or, you know, you don't want to have that as much as you possibly can. It's really hard to be in control of these things. You know, I'm literally, the children have their onesies and all. I'm ready. I'm ready as much as I can be. But it's just trying to plan ahead as much as you can. I used to be able to tell people, do this, do this, do this. But to a certain point, it's out of our control as well. And you know with the deals, Santos, and and the buy one, get one free or buy two and get three kind of thing. Yeah. If it's a non-perishable item, like let's say, for example, a bag, of, a half kilo bag of pasta, if that's two for the price of one, yeah. well, that's not going to go off anytime soon. So that's, that's worth a, buying. Yeah, that's a country staple. So that's something that you know that you 
you could cook up something with it, but then you only need so many bags of pasta as well. This is true, but true. that is something the tin, the tomato, the tin of tomatoes. Like you know, mm. I, I'm when I see like cooking oil or olive oil, I know that we're going to be using that. Yes, you know that's almost like everyday things that you take for granted. And but it's not every day you be, you, yeah. it's not going to go off. So you buy that and you stock that up and you get yourself a few months because it could be could it could be quite expensive, you know, and um, if you're just buying them one at a time. So when I see stuff like that pantry staples, I'm like, okay, that's a good one. And I actually have the extra here in my budget. So I'll actually take that, bring that home. And that will actually save me money in a few weeks because that's something I would have bought anyway. Yeah, yeah. there's a, know, another idea that you could think of, I guess, at this time of the year too, is with the winter coming up ahead. And if you have that extra couple yeah. of quid, start buying yeah. those, like you said, pantry staples that are not going to go yeah. off and that you're going to use. Yeah. You know, and they they're gonna like I I um I always say like a pantry staples. You know your tin tomatoes, you know your sugar, your flour, all those things that if you couldn't go to the shop for one whatever reason, you could still make up a nice delicious meal. It'll keep you going. You know, mm. always keep them there. They're always gonna be value for money because you're always going to end up using them. It's nice to have in the home. Yes. I would say, though, if it's something that you wouldn't buy, like the likes of the orange juice, Yes. Um, if you wouldn't buy three, then don't buy three of them. You're just wasting your money. And if you're a natural spender like me, that would be a trigger to go and see, oh, well, that's on special as well. And that's on special as well. And before long, you have a lot of specials and no, no money at the end of it. Well, you I, know? I know I know someone who's worked for many years in retail and retail display yeah. and when they start getting into the science of it and it's, how it's actually brilliant the job is to get, empty your wallet before you even get to the counter yeah. and everything is there, no, nothing appears on a shelf just because the shelf is there every it, single it, thing is planned it's psychological. There's so many, even the way you walk into the supermarket one way, this is not just COVID. It's always been that way. You walk in one way and the only way you get out, there's no other way of getting out except through the till. Buy something. Yeah. So, so most people are going to say, oh, just even if you didn't want, I'll just pick that up and buy it. There you go. There's a lot of people. I, I don't see a lot of people walk out empty handed, you know, even you want the milk, you have to go to the other side of the shop. And in the meantime, you're, you're, pass, you're bypassing a load of specials right. that you're going to, you'll throw in the, the you'll throw in the trolley. Great. You, yeah, you'll, you'll have, you, you, you might go in for a litre of milk and a sliced yeah. pan. And before you know it, yeah. you've bought four or five different things. You're actually going back for a basket, even though you can in for a handful of stuff. Oh, I know. And it's a science. <laughs> Santa's always, always great to chat with you on the opinion. We'll talk again sometime soon. Are you ever going to move to Cork, by the way? We talked about that before. We had a big discussion yesterday and the family were opposed. They said it was too far for me. But... Um, Everybody was saying that's two. That's two hours, two and a half hours. Now you you need to think about this. So I don't know what I, I don't know what to say to them. But look, um, Cork is on the map. I'm good. like, geez. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good for you. Good for you. Always good to speak with you, Sanchez O'Garo, uh, the Caribbean dub you'll find her on Insta and a few more different platforms. And she's also a partner of the RTE Consumer Show, The Price of Everything, and she does loads of stuff on. On YouTube, that's really good comment. No, there's a this whole thing about supermarkets, and they're all in this together. It doesn't matter what supermarket you're talking about.
be it Super Value, Dunn's, Lidl, Aldi, Tesco, you name it. The science of where stuff is placed and where you walk through the store, nothing is random. Absolutely nothing in a supermarket is randomly placed. There's a science to it. People have PhDs in this kind of stuff. I regularly buy a product in a particular supermarket and I saw it added to the price match promise and I thought, okay, it might get cheaper. They matched the price, all right. It turned out the other supermarket was dearer and the product shot up in price. Supermarket sweep, I call it, PJ. You see people at the checkout running around the shop to make up to the nearest 50. I was behind a woman one day and she was at 80. She went off and picked another tenner's worth of stuff and said, now I'm back where I started. I pointed out she spent an extra tenner because she could have paid 70 by using one 10 euro off 50 instead of two. The looks I got. says there. Oh, and then and those coupons. I'll come back to it. Thanks, Claire. 0818 96 96 96. Now, 20 countries, 17,159 kilometres, 18 poles of inconvenience. What? One flat tyre, one oil change, one set of new brake pads, one bout of food poisoning, half a turtle, what? Half a turtle, and one mighty Honda Jazz. Owen Carroll, you got there. Good morning. Hey, PJ. How are things? You're in Prague right now. I'm in Prague, I am. You're not driving back, are you? Uh, Yeah, that's the plan. Initially, the plan was just to get to Georgia. Yeah. And I thought the car car being pieces when we got there, to be honest. And, like, it should have been, looking at the place we brought it. But, yeah, the car is actually all right. It's absolutely mighty, so we're going to try and bring it back. So that's that's what we're doing. So this, you've, you've been doing the Mongol rally, and just, I know you were on me before, explain to people what you've been doing, and, and it, all doing it in aid of the air ambulance as well. Yeah, so the plan originally was to go to Mongolia, and then with the war and with borders and stuff, they changed it a little bit, and they moved the finish line to Georgia, and then, as well as that, you have all these remote locations all over Europe, and East Asia that you have to get your car and your team to along the way just to make it that much more difficult. And that's what poles of inconvenience are, is that right? Exactly, yeah. So crazy left, mountain passes, you, you crazy where? dirt roads. You left, you left Cork and you, you. what was your route? We went up to the north, up to Larne and we got the ferry to Cairn Rain and went up to the very north point of Scotland up to the lighthouse at John O'Groats and then the whole way down to the UK, England, Wales, uh, Scotland, Wales, England, France, and then made our way over to um, Germany, Czech Republic. Then we went Slovakia, Hungary, Croatia, Bosnia, Montenegro, Albania, North Macedonia, Greece, Turkey. And then we planned to go to Iran, and that would have been amazing, but we had a couple of these issues. So we came up with the plan B, and we actually doubled back across Turkey and went to Bulgaria, Romania, met up with a couple of other rally teams, did some ridiculous poles of inconvenience there, just crazy 50-kilometre dirt roads and pothole roads, um, and then saw some saw some wild bears on the road, which is magic. Uh, and yeah, we made our way back across Turkey and finished in Georgia and landed on the 6th of August, which was the plan. And who went? Who travelled? Uh, myself, my sister, and then... 
her boyfriend Mark and then my brother actually lives in Prague so we collected him on the way and he came with us for 10 or 12 days so there's four of us inside in the Honda Jazz all the stuff up on top of the roof travelling all over like a Honda Jazz it's not exactly a Range Rover like you know <laughs> Uh, it's 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 mad. Like you go to places and there's locals in quads and four by fours and jeeps telling you you can't go up these roads and you should turn around. Like one guy actually gave us a watermelon as a bribe to tell us to not go any further. And yeah, you know, I'm so blown away by, by that kind of idea. Just the stories and the stuff that you come across is it's like nothing else. Fabulous. And you've managed you managed to raise how much for the air ambulance? Um, yeah, I think we're at about 3,200 now. Like, my goal initially was 1,000, and oh, we smashed that, which is unbelievable. I actually think, like, it's 3,200. Look, it's not earth shattering figures in terms of fundraising by any means, but I think the air ambulance, it's three, an average 3,500 for the costs for a rescue mission. You're, for you're, them. You're, you've, you've paid for one operation. You've paid for one, for yeah, one run. Yeah, nearly. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's like if, if we could get to, if we could get to three thousand five hundred, and it means we pay for one person's life to be saved, like that's that's life changing. Yeah. So, and you have to remember you said before you have to maintain the car yourself along the way, isn't that right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. We we changed the brake pads because we actually they were kind of low anyway, and we cooked them coming down this two thousand meter gravel climb so we changed them the next day in the car park of a campsite um, and then because we had spares and then yeah we did an oil change on the road outside our accommodation um, before we went back across Turkey for the second time yeah just mad this stuff is, but it's unbelievable what an epic adventure this is brilliant um, I know you've got loads of stuff up on Instagram but as well like there's a there's a book in this I mean tell me about the Zagari Pass that was your last pole of inconvenience it looks like the wild really wild place oh that place is absolutely magic yeah it's 2,600 metres up it's in the Caucasus mountain range in like North Georgia I think it has it has Mount Elbus which is the highest mountain in Europe and Russia and yeah, just getting a car up there is crazy. It's just dry, dry riverbeds which turn to actual riverbeds that you're driving through, and then just these insane dirt gravel climbs up to the top. Um, and, and the views are just magic in a, altogether. In a Honda Jazz. Yeah, in a Honda Jazz. That was actually the most rattling drive I've done. That was real intense. I was worried that we'd we'd and you know, like if you break the car up there, you burst the sump or you pierce the fuel tank so you're on your own you've no reception you're unsupported so you're kind of that's in the back of your head going if we get stuck up here like we're in we're in real trouble oh there's but the, the mighty Honda Jazz I can't believe this. there's it's a charity calendar in this the photographs I'm looking at on your Instagram are just brilliant and one last question what's the story with half a turtle what happened there uh, so I was packing up my stuff before we left and I had this like this teenage mutant ninja turtle little fella who was sitting in my house and I thought, you know what, he had a little clip on him like a keyring. I was like, you know what, I'll clip him onto the back bumper and maybe he'll make it to Dublin or make it to Scotland. And he went the whole way to Georgia on the back of the car. Like <laughs> 17,000 kilometers tied the to the back bumper. Which one of the turtles is it? Which one of the turtles? Donatello. Donatello, the turtle. And he was fresh when we left Cork and because he was dr- Drag along the roads and we were taking them up gravel trails and through potholes there's only half of them left he's serious road rash this is insane you know what you really do need to look at getting those pictures 
either into a calendar or into a book or something because you think you're raising money now for the air ambulance. Get some of those pictures onto a calendar or something or into... There's there's a hundred more ways to use them. You've had a fantastic trip. Trip of a lifetime. Well done. Absolutely, yeah. Trip of a lifetime. Thanks very much. Well done, Owen. Cheers. That's Owen Carroll and a crew who drove all the way to Georgia in a Honda Jazz on their own steam. That's brilliant. The pictures are fabulous. You'll find them, actually, if you go and look at team underscore... You ready for this? Team underscore red hot jazzapinos on Instagram. You'll see their pictures. Red hot jazzapinos. I know. 0818 96 96 speaking to us from from Prague. And look, this is nothing new. Women being put into wards with men and men being put into wards with women at COH. It is nothing new. Many people ringing us up with their own particular stories. When we asked the CUH about it, uh, the people who handled that kind of thing for them came back and never addressed the question. But we know what's going on. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. The bars of Clonakilty welcome back Neil Delamere with his new show Delamerium. Neil comes to the bars on April 29th with tickets on sale now from the website debarra.ie. Access all areas. Paul Howard's smash hit musical Copperface Jacks comes to Cork Opera House this month following triumphant summer runs in 2018 and 19. The show runs on August 23rd until the 28th with tickets on sale now. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. On Courts 96 FM. I'll come back to this, but we've just had what I think is the first gig announcement for the summer of 2023 in Cork. I, I, I think it's the first. There might have been another one that I've missed, but definitely it's the first big one for Cork in 2023. I'll tell you in a minute what it is. 0818. 96, 96, 96. But National Learning Network do extraordinary work up there in the north side of the city and a couple of other locations around the city and county. Uh, They've supported hundreds and hundreds of people into employment since 2017 and they're opening their doors to the public later this month. I want to talk to Owen Kelly, who's their national the manager on Model Farm Road about the work that they do. Owen, good morning. Good morning, PJ, and how are you this morning? Good, good to speak with you. The, the National Learning Network has been around for a while doing great work, but a lot of people don't know what that work is. Yes, you're right to say that. Uh, someone said to me once, we're one of Ireland's best kept secrets, but you'd know our parent company, the Rehab Group, Indeed. Uh, probably better. I mean, the Rehab Group is in existence now, uh, you know, for over 70 years. And as the ad says, we must be doing something right. So the, the, the National Learning Network is the education and, and training division of the Rehab Group. So that's, that's the kind of area we, we work in. So what do you do? Who do you work with? Well, we we are a provider of education and and uh, personal development uh, uh, 
uh, I suppose, programs for people across a whole range or whole spectrum of need. Um, we work with people who might uh, describe themselves as having learning disabilities, mental health challenges, disabilities, post-injury, uh, mental health challenges. So really, we, we, we don't make an exception. Uh, we work with people across the spectrum. And you wrote a number of different training courses with, with um, qualifications at the end of them and awards at the end of them. Absolutely. Um, we, we, we provide uh, programs that, that get people into employment. For example, in the last five years here in Cork, we, 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 we've had you know, about 300 people who've uh, gone into employment as a result of our courses. Uh, we also have uh, programs that look at uh, you know, further education, higher education, third level uh, opportunities. And again, we've had about 600 odd people who progressed to that level of progression uh, in the last five years people who might not otherwise is it that they they felt that they wouldn't be able to make it into the full-time workforce or the opportunities weren't there for them what 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 was in common with them what did they have in common did they feel they wouldn't be able well, to it well, for, for, for a lot of our students, it's almost like a second chance education for various reasons. There might have been uh, uh, reasons that they c- couldn't access education or couldn't stay in education due to family situations or due to uh, uh, poverty situations or indeed due to difficulties with their medical conditions. So when, when students come to us, they're looking very much to, 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 to have a second chance to get into employment or indeed to improve the quality of their lives. And we're only delighted to be able to help them in that in, in, in in, in those uh, desires. Mm. Now talk to me about the open day coming up. 24th of August, isn't it? 24th of August, yes, uh, between 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock. We're just informally opening our doors to to, to I- I- everyone. Uh, if your listeners are interested in coming along, very informal, just drop in, have a look around, talk to the managers, talk to the staff, have a cup of tea in our canteens. I think really after more than two years of living with the COVID pandemic, uh, we've seen many people, you know, living with new mental health challenges and complications. And I think, you know, uh, the, the, the opportunity to avail maybe of life change courses might be something that might suit them uh, on the 24th. So we would appeal to your listeners to come along and, 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 and listen and have a look at, at what we do. Yeah. Prior to the last local elections uh, I had in 2019, I had the pleasure of facilitating a, a debate up in your premises in Holly Hill um, for people about what, looking for better services from the local authority with regard to uh, disability and, and mobility and access. And I must say I was so impressed with the level of debate that people brought to the table that day. It was magnificent, absolutely magnificent. Yes, I, I, we find that our students are are, are, are very proactive um, and, and uh, very strong self advocates. And when you consider, if like the journeys that, that that the students of ours would would have gone through and are undertaking at present, there's a huge commitment and, and a huge uh, sincerity around them uh, in terms of, of of what they want from life. Uh, and in turn, then you know, National Learning Network, we, we see ourselves as having a remit to promote equal opportunity both in in the workplace and in education and we make no bones about that so any opportunity we get to to promote equal opportunity and and you know inclusion in in those areas we will take that so in a way the open day is about demonstrating that to to people who may be interested in, in finding out more do, do people need to book a place for the open day 
No, it's completely informal, PJ. Just simply drop in. Uh, our doors are open between 11 o'clock and 1 o'clock. And again, just to, to remind people where we are, we have two training uh, centres or colleges, uh, one in Model Farm Road, which I manage, the other in Holly Hill. And then in West Cork, we're represented by our college in Bantry. Okay. All right. Well, good luck with it and uh, continued success to you and wonderful work that National Learning Network does. There's an opportunity to get into the workforce for anybody and they put hundreds of people through their hands and they get them jobs and they get them access to the workforce. Great work done at the National Learning Network. Thank you, Owen. Owen Kelly. 0818969696. I mentioned, I think, I think this is the first big gig announcement for the summer of 2023. This is the Musgrave Park series of gigs, which will be back in 2023. And they've just announced that on the 14th June, 14th of June, Paolo Nottini, with tickets going on sale this Friday. Paolo Nottini coming to Musgrave Park in June of 2023. That's the first of the big announcements, I think. I have no doubt there will be loads, loads more. Good morning, Tommy Tiernan. There, there has to be a book in you, Tom. Like, there really does. Back in the late 1990s, I had an idea for a novel on the way to a meeting with the publishers. And I don't know if they've ever said this to anybody else before. They said it was unpublishable. Wow. So I know that my, my gift really is not in... Like, even when I was a kid, I would often go into school with all my homework in my mouth. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool exclusively Skoda in the city find your next car online at noeldc.com open 24-7 the lines are live and we're ready to talk can we just talk Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Back to work this morning after the nice weekend and all that. Exciting weekend, plenty going on. Sport and concerts and all that kind of thing. How tired do you think you'll be? after Monday at work. Now, bearing in mind, very few of us slept properly last night, if at all. There's a, some research, and we'll do more on it maybe during the next day or two. They're now saying that, uh, and in another way, someone will say to you, how the hell could you be tired? You're only sitting on your arse all day in an office. Well, let me tell you this. They have now proved that sitting in an office, doing work that involves a lot of mental stuff during the day, a lot of thinking. People who sit at an office desk all day long can be just as tired as someone who spends the day out breaking rocks or doing heavy duty physical work like construction and stuff like that. They have now proven experts have that they're both they can both be as tired as each other at the end of the day. Quite fascinating. It's been done in a university in Paris and it involves a chemical that builds up in the brain. I'll tell you more some stage. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, we had several people responding to Julie's story about her mom 
just in case you didn't hear it earlier on, and we'll probably run it again in a, in a podcast clip. But Julie Haynes from uh, Twins and Me Instagram, but she was talking to us purely as, as Julie. Her mum is in hospital. Paula had a mastectomy a few weeks ago, and she's been doing okay. And she's much better this morning, thank goodness. But last, the end, towards the end of last week, she developed an infection. And the breast clinic sent her straight to the hospital. And she went to the hospital and she spent an overnight on a chair. Uh, not the most comfortable place at all. And then they moved her out of the emergency department at CUH. And they moved her up into a ward, which might have been fine, except that she was the one woman in a ward full of men. With a very personal complaint, very painful complaint so she wasn't happy at all about that as you'd appreciate now she has been moved out into an all female ward since then and I've been in touch with Julie over the weekend and she's doing really well and that's great to hear but we then asked CUH was it their policy to mix men and women they didn't ask to answer that question at all and they can't comment on individual cases etc and all that but uh, Dorota by email to opinion at 96am.ie just to say I can totally relate to the mixing of male and female patients I've been put in a room with men too didn't feel comfortable at all once I complained about being uncomfortable it took them two days to find me an all female room when I was 11 I got knocked down and I broke my leg and was taken to North Infirmary God that's a while ago I was put in a room with a load of boys I hated it I was screaming get me out of here and my dad went to the nurses and told them to find me another room. I still can't believe it's going on. It's simply not right. And Nor by email says, 12 years ago, PJ, my father, who was 84 years old, was put into a mixed ward after a hip operation. It was very distressing as he was never expecting this to happen. He was embarrassed. He felt humiliated. He got C. diff and MRSA and he had a lot of hygiene issues as a result. He soiled his bed as you would do with those things, and female patients on either side of him. It was really distressing, not just for him, but for the women. They were also very elderly. He died in those circumstances a week later. I'm so sorry to hear that. So, PJ, this is nothing new. Oh, that's awful. Thank you for that. I'm so sorry to hear about your loss, Nor. 0818-969696. Now, I remember living in Carrigaline and watching plans for the skate park. Now, bearing in mind, I have probably stood on a skateboard once in my entire life. And I fell off it in a way that if there was social media around at the time, they'd still be showing it. So I never bothered with a skateboard again. But I always do envy anyone who can use one. And some people are so good at using them now, they use them to get around and travel and go to work and stuff like that. But you go down by the skate park in Carrigaline any given day, you'll find loads of people trying it out, giving it a go, falling on their arses, getting up and doing it again. And some people get really good at it, like Jamie O'Leary did. And Jamie's now teaching some youngsters down there. Uh, and Jamie, it's, it's changed your life, hasn't it? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just hope no, I don't swear. And uh, but uh, yeah, no. So like, I started skateboarding. I don't know about two and a half years ago. And see, when I was growing up, I always loved it. 
Yeah. But I never kind of had the funds or anything to, you know, to buy a skateboard or anything like that. And my brother did it really, and I kind of looked up to him. Yeah. And like then I kind of got lost in life in the sense of, you know, I kind of got lost in alcohol and drugs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and long story short, when I got clean, um, the 2015, I kind of started dabbling around with football and then I went to college and then I started a youth work course that I took a break from the last couple of years. I'm going to go back next year and do it. But then in the meantime, I started skateboarding and it was weird because, like, as it, as it was written in the article, like, I just want to shout out Emer, the girl that read it. Um, she she's just a very nice person. She read it, and she read it really well. Um, this is in Corpio. She kind of portrayed a lot, yeah. And like, so she skates herself, and she's involved in the skate community and stuff. You know what I mean? And, yeah. You know, she she was a good she was a good person to have a conversation about who, who it. Who taught and, you, uh, Jamie? Who taught you to do it? No one. That's the. See that that's the thing about skateboarding, and like I kind of explain to people a lot, is that like a lot of people learn themselves, or they watch others, or they watch YouTube videos, or you know, and like in in the sense of teaching myself, I just kind of you know I have scars, I have bruises and stuff, <laughs> and that's only within the last two years that like I kind of I destroyed myself really learning how to skate because. Like, obviously, before the house fire in March, I lived in an estate right next to the skate park, and I was down there seven, eight hours because I was on break from college, so I was down there seven, eight hours a day, and I was just pushing myself, not so much to become better, but I was just thinking, like, you know, I was going through a rough time at the moment when I started it, so I was kind of pushing myself for my own mental health, you know, and at the time, it was probably a bad thing, but at the same time, it saved me from you know, going back using or, you know, other worse things and stuff. And like I can say that honestly, you know, because COVID kind of messed me up a bit in the <laughs> sense of, um, like, I I love being around people, but at the same time, I'm my worst enemy because then I'd isolate and yeah. then COVID made it worse because I didn't have a choice. You know what I mean? Actually, when I now choose I know to isolate. You and I, you, you and know? I talked before, didn't we? Yeah, well, I was involved in the house fire. That's right. Now I park, know exactly. So I know I recognise the voice. I said, now I know who. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you taught yourself. You must have fallen off a hun- As I said, I only tried it a couple of times, and I'm just glad there was no social yeah. media around at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, yeah, and like you yeah. know. Like, the biggest thing with skateboarding, like, I've sciatica and all from skateboarding, from hard slams and stuff, you know, and I have to stretch every morning or it's my back and it goes funny and whatever, you know. But, like, the biggest thing that I try to explain to people is that, you know, skateboarding is different to so many other sports because, you know, from my perspective, and, like, this is the spiel that I give to people who want to skateboard and stuff, is that, like, any Joe Soap can go down and buy a pair of boots and go kick a ball or, you know, play rugby or whatever. Do you know what I mean? But you have to hit a certain level to enjoy it because if you're, like, playing on a team or whatever and you're not playing in matches, like, you're not going to be happy, you know? Um, and, like, with skateboarding, it's different because you can buy a board and you can do it anywhere. Anybody can do it. You know, there's no restrictions, really, because you can do whatever you want. You know what I mean? You can sit in your bum and go down a hill. You know, or you can teach yourself how to do mad tricks, you know? Mm. Yeah, there was the Olympics in 2020. This 
amazing yeah. kid. I watched her with just my mouth open, unable to believe what I could see. This kid, Sky Brown. Oh, yeah. What, 14 oh, years of age or something? Mm. Youngest ever, um, youngest ever uh, uh, medal winner. Yeah, mm. I mean, are you saying most of that stuff, are they self-taught? Do you have no choice but to get up and learn it yourself? See, yeah, so like, realistically, when it comes to skateboarding, you know, it's kind of uh, like obviously back in the day when skateboarding was first created, you know, it was kind of a taboo kind of a sport where, you know, it, it involved rock and roll, drinking drugs and stuff like that. But then, you know, it kind of like that, that, that's not what it's about really. Skateboarding is a community and, you know, from like there's games you can play with in skateboarding like skate basically it's like skate is like a game of donkey where one person does a trick and everyone else that's playing has to do that trick yes. and if they don't land it you get a letter so basically from me playing skate with others like I, I i actually learned how to do most of my tricks but then you know like i kind of i used to go down by myself or even with my friends and you know you throw on your headphones or you're with them for hours and you're just skating and you're just trying stuff, you know, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But for people like Sky Brown and stuff, it just happened by her buying a skateboard. You, you know what I mean? Like, those are the things that happen. Now, I don't know, like, she probably is mostly self-taught, but there is, over in the UK, it's way more advanced than in Ireland by a long mile because there's, like, people that I know kind of run their own actual massive skate schools over there in the sense that they're insured, you know what I mean? They got funding through the government. Yeah. You know, they're involved with youth projects. They're in schools. You know what I mean? But over here, you know, like, I was even trying to get insurance and, like, no, nowhere does it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, my thing is the disclaimers in the sense of, like, you know, skateboard's hard. You can't get hurt. And most most parents don't understand that. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to a skate park and if you're going to try something out, mm. like, you, 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 you don't learn... Uh, like if you don't get hurt while skateboarding, that's unbelievable. Like that's amazing. But realistically, for you to progress and stuff, like you do get hurt because you have to understand that skateboarding is hard and you fall and stuff. You know. Yes, and you can't actually do it on a soft, a soft surface. So you know, you, yeah, you got. Mm. So you, you you spend a lot of time down in the park now, working with with younger kids and and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so um, me and my buddy Dave, he's actually currently over in Barcelona. He's kind of on the verges of going uh, into amateur to pro skating and stuff, you know. Fabulous. And um, yeah, he's unbelievable. Like, and plus, he's such a nice dude too. Um, like, I met him in the skate park when I first started skating. And obviously, me studying new work at the time, you know, I was always drawn to kind of working with kids. Because obviously, in my own background, like, I'm in recovery and stuff myself, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, kind of... Like, I was, uh, you know, I started coaching out football and then, you know, I kind of started playing football and then I got into managing, you know, like Caroline Senior Women and then I got involved in the Cork uh, Under-13 Gainer squad and, and like, I was just constantly drawn to helping people and I think it just, it's a thing from, you know, being in addiction and stuff where when I got out of addiction, a lot of people helped me. No, I was offered a load of help, but at the same time, I didn't understand how to take it or, you know, I, I kind of didn't want to give up what I was doing. And then when I got clean, like so many people, like I can name over probably 500 people that have helped me throughout the years. Yeah. And, you know, I'm blessed to have those people in my life. So then when I met Dave, like, you know, it was kind of always a funny thing that I suggested. And then one day we were like, you know, do you, do you just want to do it? And then 
we started it because, you know, parents would always ask me, you know, oh, could you, could you help my child or else I'd go over myself and be like, oh, do you want to, like, do you need any tips or, you know, or do you want to try this a certain way or whatever? And, like, I never pushed to do it. it was, I was just drawn to it. And then one day a parent asked me, like, you know, about, about uh, like, helping their kid and what time's classes and stuff. And I was like, you know, I, I was like, what is she on about? I was like, I, I don't do this, like, as a living. <laughs> and then, I don't know, one day we just did it and just started it. And it's been ever growing ever since. Like, we have an Instagram and stuff. And, you know, most of the kids, like, it's only probably a percentage of the kids that we teach but like I'd say, ninety nine percent of the kids that we've had and the parents and stuff have been, you know, they they've been so great to us, like you know, um, because I remember when I first started it and stuff, it was kind of a thing where, you know, like I worked in co foundation as placement in college, and it kind of changed my life really because I started to understand that these young adults were coming in and they, had, you know, they were on the spectrum and stuff, and but they were coming in smiling and kind of you know, having a good day and nothing ever kind of, you know, phased them in the mm. sense, you know, they're all happy and stuff. Well, they all seemed it like. Yeah. And then with the skate school, you know, I remember, I, I, I remember seeing like young kids with like autism and Asperger's and Down syndrome and, you know, all, other physical disabilities too like that, you know, were kind of shying away from the skate park as a whole in the sense they just stand in a corner and try to stand on the skateboard, you know. Um, and then I kind of, I kind of realized more than ever when I started to help them out that it was more of a therapeutic type of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it works, it works wonders for you and works wonders for them. And mm-hmm. so you can go and you just, are you teaching kids now down at the park or where can we find this, the school in Stamway? Well, we- yeah. So... So like uh like I I uh like with Dave being over in Barcelona now like I kind of I work a lot so lessons have kind of dried up in the sense of you know I kind of find it hard to do them now and most of the time I take a break during the winter because the weather is just you know we have great weather during the winter in the sense of it could rain in the morning and the skate park could be wet all day and it wouldn't dry up and like I'd never do a lesson in the west because it's just too dangerous yes you know for myself and for the child obviously. Because you can slip out and, you know, bad things can happen. And, and and I've had it happen to myself, you know, where I've scars from my body on my body from just falling and stuff, you know. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, the thing with lessons is that, you know, I get a lot of people texting me and stuff. And, like, there's only a minute, like a minimum amount of space that I can do it. Sure. Um, in the sense of hours and stuff. Because last year I kind of ran myself dry where I was doing lessons for free and I was doing lessons, you know, for to cost money and stuff like that. But at the same time, like I was starting at 10 o'clock in the morning and I was not finishing until like 8 o'clock at night, yeah, you know, and, and I physically made myself sick, you know. Sure. Last well, year I actually got sure. sick well, and then... Where's your, where's your, what's the Instagram then so people can at least... Uh, Carrig, Carrig Skate Academy. Carrig Skate Academy. Jamie, good yeah. luck. Good luck with it, mate. Good luck with it. And you, you know you. what you did? You got through the whole piece and you didn't swear once. Because I know Thank how you. nervous you um, are. Can I just give Can I just give a couple of shoutouts there? Quick, Drive on, go on. Um, yeah, so like the main skateboard kind of distributors that I use is Sick. Um, they're a deck company and they make wheels and stuff. They're they, they're a local brand in Cork. Um, Noel is the fellow who runs it and he's a sound guy. Um, 
if you want new decks or wheels or whatever or t-shirts and stuff he, he, he sells them sure. and uh, just shout out to all the lads in Cagline and Mardyk and stuff you know right. and like the biggest thing that I want to suggest is that within the skate community you're always going to find bad apples and that shouldn't discourage you from keeping on skating because the biggest thing you're going to find bad apples mm-hmm. everywhere you know but it's just maybe your first time skating you might find bad apples in the skate community rather than anywhere else so yeah. for anybody that wants to start it out just do it and just try to be happy all right, well done, Jamie. Good, good man yourself, Carrig Skate School, Jamie O'Leary. Uh, I could spend I could spend the day chatting to him. He's just so just an interesting lad. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on the uh, person making two points in one here. Um, one thing this constant dry weather has shown is the need for more reservoirs. You are not wrong. We need to find ways to store all the bloody water that falls in the winter and store it up for when the summers get dry and hot, as they will. Because, look, that's where we're headed now. More dry, hot weather in the summertime. Not maybe as much as our friends in France and Spain and Portugal and all that, or even over in the UK. But we're going to get more dry, warm weather. At the moment, the the, the ground is like a stone and none of the, none of the rain that will fall is going to soak in. You're right. We do need more reservoirs and more places to store water. And then he goes, uh, do you think you work harder than a building labourer? No, I don't. No, I don't think I work harder than a building labourer. But I get as tired as they do, just a different way. Oh, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. When you're heading home every evening, make sure you're with me. Where it's all about the music. There's impromptu sing songs. I'm all forever. There's in car karaoke. There is a girl in the car behind me. Better sing it out, loving life. And you take control of the playlist. Hey, Lorraine. I'd love to hear a new song from nineteen seventy five. So for all that and more, join me weekdays from four. The big. Drive home on Cork's 96 FM. I'll come back to this. We got another quite an upsetting call about the mixing of people in different in wards, mixing of men and women in wards in a hospital. Come back to it. That was been very upsetting for the person who made the call. 0818 96 96 96. Your dog is a social beast. Did you know that? And dogs make friends like we do. And dogs love to meet up and play and get together with others like we do. But like we do, they need to learn. Like when you were small, your your parents socialized you. They brought you out, you had play dates, and you went into play school maybe, and you went to the park, and you met other kids. You learned it like a skill. It's the same with dogs. And Esther Ring is running dog socialization classes under the name of Top Barks. Love the name, Esther. Good morning. Thanks very much, PJ. Thanks for having me. Delighted. <laughs> we do. Our dogs do need to learn it. I mean, I've, I've two dogs. Totally different social personalities. Um, but, yeah. you know, we need to... Every dog has got a social personality and it's we, we kind of owe it to them to, to teach them, don't we? Yeah, 100%. Animals need to play um, with other animals to develop their communication skills and to cope with uncertainties in life. 
And when we have puppies, puppies are all social. Um, most puppies, not unless something detrimental has happened um, during their critical periods, but most puppies are social um, uh, and love the company of other dogs because that's how they learn how to be a dog. So the more that we can get our young puppies out and playing with other dogs, the less chances they're going to have issues with other dogs as they get older. Yeah. Um, but older dogs um, generally then tend to mature a little bit and don't really kind of like the f- the fuss of like, so for argument's sake, we put into toddler, into human context, you know, you might have a toddler that loves the company of other children, but then as they get a little older, they have only a couple of friends. Yeah. So this is what makes it a little bit easier for us. But um, it's it's really fundamental for them to, to interact and to play. Well, I've, I've two little dogs. One of them, Bella, she'd make friends with anything. If you brought her a dog the size of an elephant, all she wants to be is friends. Whereas my other little dog, Harry, anything bigger than himself, he runs behind you. He's half afraid. So the scientific terms of that then is that your little Bella is what we call dog tolerant. Um, So she absolutely loves the company of any dog, any size, makes no difference, party all the time. And then your other little fella is called what we call dog selective. So he's kind of saying, oh, I don't fancy the big fellas, but I like the small fellas. And that's perfectly fine. As long as he's using his communication skills in the proper way in order to tell the big fellas, oh, no, I don't really want to play with you. I only like small dogs. Yeah, yeah. And you see, she's slightly smaller than him. So they're great pals. And that's the kind of dog he's grown up with, if you like, because she's older than him. Exactly, yeah, yeah. She's nearly nine, he's about five. And he's grown up with her, so he's comfortable with a dog that's a little bit smaller. And I I figure that's, that's common enough. Yeah, because you've just hit the nail on the head. So what's happened with, um, sorry, what did you call your little, the, the, not Bella, the other dog's name? Harry. Harry, yeah. So what you literally hit the nail on the head with Harry. Harry um, came to your house. Bella was the first dog that he interacted with besides his litter mates and his mom. He grew up with her during his critical socialization period, accepted her because, you know, they're like little sponges at that time. She showed him the way. And then he feels very secure around his her size uh, and and he and he dogs of her temperament. I see. And it might have been just the fact that you mightn't have played with anything bigger during right. his socialization periods. I see, I see. Now a lot of people yeah. got new dogs during the pandemic and they never had a dog in the house Loads. before. And they saved yeah. our sanity, I think a lot. Certainly, my dogs saved my sanity <laughs> during the during the pandemic when we're all locked up. But a lot of those dogs, they weren't socialised properly because we couldn't. We weren't, we weren't able to go out. We weren't able to do more. So, your classes at the Marina Marcus. What can people do? Yep. What can people? What can the dogs learn there? So what we have, so just to kind of go back to the start, when people get a new puppy from the ages of about three weeks to 12 weeks, depending on breed and size, you have this critical um, socialization period. And sometimes socialization is a term that gets misunderstood. It doesn't mean about the dogs learning how to romp around and play with other dogs, but rather, as you said, being habituated and getting used to the environment around them. And as you said, during COVID, we couldn't get our dogs out to see traffic, to see the city, to see buses, to see um, old people, young people and all this. So what happens is some dogs that have missed this critical um, socialization period um, would be a little bit more wary. It doesn't mean that we can't help them along. Of course we can. This is what I do down below in the marina market. But it turns from socialization to a term, a terminology is called habituation. So basically becoming used to something 
um, and not minding that that object is there. I don't know, for argument's sake, let's say that you are sitting in your office there now and the fire alarm goes off yeah. and suddenly you go, oh my God, what's that noise? But then after a while, somebody comes to you and says, it's okay, there's no actually a fire, we're just doing fire testing. And then you almost become habituated to the sound because you know that there's not actually a fire, there's no emergency and that the threat is gone. Yes. So this is kind of similar to what we're doing, what, I, what I'm doing down below in the marina market for dogs that mightn't have had the opportunity to play with other dogs during COVID, that we introduce them slowly, match their play styles, because as you said, your two little dogs were, have two different play styles. I match their play style and I supervise, and we slow and steady win the race to get dogs used to being out and about, used to having positive experiences. And I use, um, I work under positive reinforcement training. So that means making everything a good, happy choice for the dog and if they're not happy, then we off, we just offer them space and we just step back a little bit. Yeah. So on Saturday and Sunday mornings, I run free puppy and dog play dates for dogs that like the company of other dogs or, um, or, or young dogs so that they have the opportunity to play and interact. And then after that, then if people are having a little bit more trouble um, and, and are understanding their dogs, basically, I do classes then in the evening. So we do we do four week courses at a time for all age groups. Very good. Very good. And do you do you have Facebook and Instagram? And I do. I have Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Under Top Barks um, Cork, you'll find me um, and you'll find me through the Marina Markets um, um social media as well Excellent. and even if you're ever passing where I'm, I'm there most weekends and in the evenings Excellent. but anyone even if anyone who has any questions about how to even get started they're more than welcome to 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 contact me because i find that um play is so important for our dogs so it is so for humans and dogs the importance of play is significant it deserves to be taken seriously and sometimes it's off it's underappreciated yeah. i came across a so term recently esther um, my two lads, one thing they do to knock out a bit of steam is they go to the backyard and they chase each other and they jump over one another and there's a lot of snarling and no, there's no harm yeah. in it that ever was. No. Um, someone no. called it zoomies? Yeah, so um, your two guys are not, I wouldn't, so your two guys probably are performing zoomies, but they're in a better context because they're actually playing with each other. Yes. So if you were getting a chase and then a stop and then a kind of a rough and tumble and then a chase again and then a stop and then a rough yeah. and tumble, yeah. then this is very normal. They jump over each other like hurdles and everything. It's great. Like. Yeah, yeah. That, and because it's it's what they're doing is so, um, if you have to think about play, like play has no significant function, only to feel good and sometimes it's misconcepted as that has to be something that they're you know exhibiting um behaviors of predatory now there is different types of play yeah. there is chasing behavior there's predatory behavior there is mouthing rough and tumble um and your guys if they have the space are utilizing that what you'd like to see is rather than one dog chasing the other is you'd almost want to see them shoulder to shoulder oh, bashing into each other or oh, they're going after yeah, each that's other perfect jumping over another yeah, that, you know that, that's perfect. But what happens is when you have a dog that's solitary or solo playing, as they call, and they're performing zoomies a lot is because they are not having an energy outlet in order to get rid of that energy. So they're they're trying to excru- uh, uh, get rid of this energy burst that they have and they play this game. And what I find when they come to me then in a play setting with other dogs 
these guys don't have the skill set to play with others mm-hmm. and play this game on their own very regularly. And what happens is when they play that right game, and I, I can like to your listeners just to have a good think about this, especially if they're letting their dogs off in parks that they're not meant to be off on and your dogs perform this behaviour this is kind of very um, dangerous territory because the dog that's used to running around in circles by himself is suddenly now being chased by five or six dogs. Yes. And that's when it can all go very wrong. It can. So it what can. I would say to you is if your dog is performing zoomies, the best thing to do is interrupt them and say, OK, I can let you do one or two and then I'm going to call you and I'm going to get you to come and over and sit or I'm going to get a little toy and we're going to throw it or we're going to think because what happens is the brain can switch very quickly and the zoomies then turn and what become compulsive. So it becomes a compulsory habit. So yes. what was once a, a, um, a very natural behavior for a dog to release a bit of energy now becomes very addictive because mm. obviously the adrenaline is, is, is released. The dog yeah. gets kind of a good feel about it. So what I say to And with a strange is, dog you know, in a strange place, that can lead to accidents. <clears throat> Oh, 100%, because what happens is predatory mode sets in. You have one dog running, next minute the other dog's getting chased by three other dogs and it starts to panic, so it might start to yelp if it's a small little dog and it's getting chased by a big dog. And yeah, I don't even want to finish that into that story. Yeah, yeah. You can imagine what could okay. happen. Indeed. And it's nobody's fault, yeah. only that it's a natural natural. Well, well there's the thing, Esther, so, the reason I, I asked you about it was because my, my two do it all the time and, and whenever we're, when we're around them, if we think it's getting a little bit lively, we give them an old toe and say, break it up, kind of thing. Because they had had a little accident recently, you see. There was a little accident. And that's all it was, was a little accident. Involved a trip to the vet, shall we say. No, they're all fine again. But we were told after, just watch them. And if if they started getting a bit too lively, just break them up. Distracted. See, yeah. See, see. What happens is you have to. Somebody has to be the referee, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, or the or the responsible adult. So when I'm in a play session down in the marina market, there you go. I play. Everyone sit. Everyone else sits down, and I man ten or twelve dogs at a time. I am the referee. I am the one to say no. You're not being polite. You're being a little bit rude. I That's gotcha. not the play style we can do here. I gotcha. So I have to do that. So you're the responsible adult supervising the play. Dude. I'm the responsible adult because if you don't, nobody. Now you might get one older dog that's tenor that, that might be five or six and is well socialised and bomb proof and is a great dog. And they could come in and do my job for me one Saturday morning and I wouldn't have to do anything because they're the one that's putting the manners on everybody saying, no, no, you can't play like that. That's not allowed. We don't play like that. And it's great to see. And it's great to see even if you have a little bit of a shy dog that um, it's actually been proven in studies that dogs show empathy and you'll see them they'll they all do. be going over licking the dog's face going oh would you not come out for a play they do, do they do place? they do they, they, yeah, they're great like that they, 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 they won't let yeah. one pal out they'll, they'll try and find a way to no to and they do try to get and dogs are just like children so if you if you were if you've had small children in your life you know that if you bring them someplace there's no place no time no point in going someplace for 10 or 15 minutes because the, the poor child doesn't have time to climatize to what's going on you know it almost need an hour and sometimes it takes some dogs 35 minutes before they decide okay now I feel safe because what you get is from wariness which is kind of a little bit of fear to the environment Mm. then to exploration so they start getting a bit of curious and they start sniffing the environment then to trust and only when you have trust will you have play yeah, it's great. It's, it's the only time. And it's great to watch them at it. Esther Ring, Top Barks, Barks with a Z, B-A-R-K, Z. You'll find her on social media. You'll find her at the Marina Market as well uh, for play dates for doggies. Can we just talk? 
Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, just come back to that thing that uh, we were talking about work just there at the top of the news of the hour, rather. Uh, this is a thing that neuroscientists have discovered. I was reading about it in the papers over the last few days. That a long day in the office or a long day doing this kind of job can be just as exhausting as a long physical day. And they figured out why. So a guy goes out in the morning and he's building or digging ditches or breaking blocks or changing tires or whatever, working really heavy duty stuff. He's wrecked when he gets in of an evening or she's wrecked when they get in of an evening. But someone who does what I do, sitting on me fat backside for half the day, we're wrecked too. And the reason you're wrecked is there's a chemical called glutamate that builds up in the brain. And that kind of effort, any kind of effort, mental or physical, causes glutamate to build up. And when glutamate builds up, your brain says, I'm tired. And I'm taking it easy for a bit. And they've now discovered that glutamate, you go to the gym and you work out, you're really physically tired afterwards. You work a hard physical day, you're really physically tired afterwards. Because there's glutamate in your brain. Well, you work a hard mental day, there's also glutamate in your brain. And that is what they reckon is the next understanding why you're tired. And you can be as tired after a day in the office as someone else is after a day at a building site. Thanks, Kev. 0818969696. Now, we, look, this is, this is upsetting, and um, I'm going to read it out now. I, I kind of will put a, a trigger warning before this, because uh, I think it deserves it. But this is a response to the uh, story from earlier on and the mixing of people in, in wards that Julie's mum had to deal with over the weekend. Pa- Paula is out of that now. She's in the women's ward and doing well, which is great to hear. We got a number of different responses about people being put into mixed wards. And then we got this one. Um, I have a history of abuse in my life and I was put in a ward where an elderly man was gratifying himself at night. Very triggering, very upsetting. Yeah. 0818 96 96 96. Um, what's this? Did, did you do something with your hair? Did you mess up your hair? Was this today or yesterday or something? You tried one of, don't tell me you found these beauty hacks on TikTok. You weren't trying them, were you? There's loads of them out there. Uh, what, what, did, what, did you, what did you do to yourself? Well, there was, um, I had read this thing about um, trying to moisturise your hair using an egg product and I obviously didn't read it right and didn't follow the instructions properly. So I put this kind of an egg mixture on my hair and then I put um, a towel around it and then when I took the towel off it just, there was loads of scrambled egg type oh, mixture Fiona. in my hair. <laughs> In an my egg hair. product. Yeah, that I had to wash out and my hair was not more moisturised after. You didn't, you didn't, <laughs> please tell me you didn't just beat an egg in a cup and put it into your 
<laughs> no, but this is all the rage now, PJ, because we're living on a budget. Um, people are using different things um, as beauty hacks. So there's uh, something that's uh, doing the rounds now on TikTok. It's called the Fruit Makeup Challenge. And people are cutting cherries in half and using it then to stain their lips and their cheeks. And apparently, now I haven't tried that yet, but I think I might try that this weekend. God only knows what will happen. But apparently that is quite effective and people are giving that the thumbs up. And uh, there was an article in the Sun newspaper and the girl who was trying that out had given it a rating four out of five. So, um, you know, that that worked really well. There was also one, it's a milk toner that you can tone your face using milk. Um, but the person who was reviewing that didn't really give it um, a good rating at all. She said it wasn't a very pleasant experience, that it kind of left her skin quite sticky, as you would imagine, it if you're putting yeah. milk all over your face. Yeah. So if there's anybody out there who has any budget-saving beauty hacks that they'd like to share with us um, they can email us opinion at 96fm.ie okay. and they can come on the show tomorrow and talk to us about okay. it we'd love to hear some of these tried and tested beauty hacks you know hacks. what I'm so glad I'm a man <laughs> <laughs> well PJ you could try something for your skin <laughs> right fair enough I take that a number of ways <laughs> no seriously if anybody has come across anything like that milk Oh, mm. come on, here. Ch- the cherries. Avocado is meant to be another good um, thing for your face as well, so maybe something's like hate avocado. Yeah, but it's meant to be great for your skin. The whole avocado <laughs> craze just leaves me so cold. <laughs> I hate it. It's like eating soap. Let alone put it on your face. Thank you very much, Fiona. Yeah, any ideas like that? Beauty hacks. Or things for your hair. I knew a fellow one time. And he washed... He used, I'm serious. He used to wash his hair in fairy liquid I'm not joking you he had fairy liquid in the shower to wash his hair and he used to say he suffered from terrible greasy hair as a kid and that was the one thing that stopped his hair from getting greasy was fairy liquid now it burned the eyes out of his head but you know mother of god you can get a lipstick in pennies for 150 Mary Jane I wouldn't know but you know what I mean Uh, on the CUH Bear makes a point and it's a valid one, Bear, but at the same time, you kind of think you wouldn't have to deal with it. If, as someone who has to spend a lot of time in hospital, I say if you're sick enough and you're sleeping in those uncomfortable chairs, when they tell you they have a bed for you, then you don't care what ward you're in, which is a very valid point, Bear, but you really shouldn't expect women and men to be put into the same wards. You, you really shouldn't be expecting that or accepting that more to the point. But I do take your point. Thank you very much. And for anyone who is wondering, Paula is much better today, which is great to hear. And Eugene, on the beauty hacks, lastly, if you read the ingredients of any bottle of shampoo, you wouldn't know whether to wash your hair with it or eat it. You're not wrong, Squire. You're not wrong at all. That's it. The programme edited by Fiona Corcoran, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. See you tomorrow, just after nine. Sierra Delta Cartu, Annie and the Chopper, or Chopper Nari. How are you? I tell you one thing, women don't like chatter blights. No? They just want honesty. Gotcha. Just be honest with a woman. Yes. Approach them and be straight up with them. How's it going? Name's Anthony, six kids, four mams. I've done more sentences than Shakespeare. <laughs> I leave the toilet seat up, but I'm likely to let you down. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> 
Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool, exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. Ports 96 FM.